thanks for uh, taking the time to jump on with me and and chat about Sidefest. So so to so to start us off, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Ryan King. I'm uh, born and raised in Seattle, and I moved to Renton um, after college. Um, I uh, I started collecting Transformers. Actually, funny thing. I hated Transformers when they first came out. I actually was a GoBot fan because they came out like six months beforehand. Right. And so I thought Transformers were just a, a, a giant ripoff of GoBots. So I didn't want anything to do with them. And then, uh, um, <laughs> and then I found out that one of them turned into a tape deck, and I thought that was so cool. And I know that Soundwave, you're. That was your favorite Transformer too, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I it was it was the if my memory serves, it is the first Transformer I got. So if it isn't, that's at least what my Mandela effect brain has assigned as it because I do remember unwrapping him for my birthday, mm-hmm. and I just remember like you know the just the the aesthetic and like the cool things you could do with them. You know, he came with like a little guy that you put in his chest, and mm-hmm. you know you put his guns in his back. It's like you know battery pack for a Walkman, and yeah, I just I just thought he was a really cool toy and something I hadn't really experienced before because I you know I. I, I was um and and still am to an extent you know a Star Wars kid. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know I had all of the uh you know, uh, you know I had a bunch of the Kenner figures and you know I was I was also way into GI Joe as well. So that was kind of where I was at. So it's like ooh these these transforming robots. Ooh these these are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um uh Laserbeak was actually my first transformer. Okay. And even even though he came in a two pack with Frenzy he was the first one I opened. I remember that because I I wanted to open him up. So uh, so I still have him too. He little broken leg, but I still have my original <laughs> laser beak. And um, so and then I thought the Dinobots looked pretty cool because they're dinosaurs that turned into robots. I mm-hmm. mean that's that's like a two for one right there. That's Absolutely. Great. Yeah. I mean yeah. that that's like Boys Toys one hundred and one right there. It's a dinosaur and right. a robot. Okay. <laughs> right. 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 And then. Uh, and then after that, I just started getting more and more and more. And I'm not, kind of like you. I was a G.I. Joe and a Transformer kid, so mm-hmm. those are the two things that I spent my money on and got for birthdays and Christmas and stuff. So, so um, yeah. And then uh, I kept collecting all the way through um, basically to the end of the G1 line. And, uh, and then I was in college when Generation 2 came out, okay. Machine Wars and then Generation Two. Sure. So, so I was um, real excited to get back into the game, and I thought for a long, long time I was like the only Transformer fan in the state of Washington, just because you know we we're all college aid kids. No one, you know, no one played with toys anymore. <laughs> right, right. And I thought, well, I still kind of like them. Does anybody else? And and then um, it wasn't '98. I went to my first BotCon where I realized, oh, there's a whole whole group of folks just like me that uh that like transformers so that was kind of fun to figure out that i wasn't alone and there was even more nerdier kids that liked the fandom even more than i did so yeah (laughs) that was neat well and and you're one of those guys that goes way back in the fandom you know it's like i've uh, i've talked to uh, ben harpold on the show a couple times mm-hmm. and yeah you know and he talks about kind of like this this halcyon era of you know like those early bot cons and and that that was a scene that i just had 
no connection to because like they they were always you know so far away and I didn't have you know opportunity or uh, uh, resources or access or anything like that so it's like I think if my memory serves it's like I had heard of BotCon as you know kind of like a concept but it was something that was I mean very similar to kind of like San Diego Comic-Con where it was just like you know just so far out of reach where it was just like oh well that that's a cool thing that's happening you know maybe something I could read about in Toy Fair magazine or so, or something like that but but nothing that that ever really happened for me and you know as a lot of my listeners know uh you know I I've I'm relatively new uh uh to the fandom at large I was kind of like kind of on my own island you know it's like I I uh, you know still consumed the fiction and the comic books and mm-hmm. and all but but I had mostly kind of dropped off on uh, collecting but yeah it was just you know I I, I want to say uh, maybe like as recently as like three years ago where it's like you know it's like oh this is what the fandom looks like. Wow. I mean, it just, and it's just, even now I'm still, it blows my hair back just how, uh, um, you know, how large and diverse the, uh, the Transformers fandom is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, it's, it's funny because I was a, you know, I was a kid from the eighties and grew up on Transformers and, and learned about BotCon and my first one was 98 and I've been to, um, most all of them until they, shut down a couple of years ago, um, and I didn't know there was a giant community in the state of Washington, um, the local guys, that, that had the, even their local get-togethers and, and you know, SideFest, and then, well, before that, it was SideCon. Right. And, and um, until I met one of the guys in one of the Pasadena BotCons, and his bad says Renton, and I'm like, what are the odds? Someone's <laughs> from Renton going to this thing. Right. And then they said, yeah, there's a whole giant community, and we have get-togethers and cookouts and and all sorts of things, and there's even a you know a kind of an unofficial convention that we have locally up here. And I thought, oh man, I I should check that out. And so that's <laughs> that's how I got engaged with the with the local community for for a while. I just thought I was a kind of a one person show up here, but there's a lot of us, certainly a lot of us up here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and it seems like it it's a growing community also. Um, you know, it's like I, I was just dinking around on Facebook and I posted something in a Transformers bots posting and a couple folks were like, wait a sec, there, there's there there's more Washingtonians also. And so and uh, and, and they're going to be at uh, a Sidefest Northwest also again uh, coming up uh, this Saturday uh, on the 27th at the Kent Commons Community Center. But, yeah, it's it's just it, it's. You know, one of the things that that we've all kind of learned, uh, you know, because we're all kind of like that 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 late Gen X type of thing where we kind of like, you know, grew up with computers, but computers kind of grew up with us also. Right. And and it really wasn't until, you know, we started getting on the Internet where it's like, oh, I, I really thought I was the only one. I I legit for. Um, a good chunk of my life thought I was the only one that liked Transformers the movie. I, I, I really honestly felt that way because none of my friends did and nobody that I knew did. It was like it, it was, you know, isolating, but also kind of cool because it, I, I felt like it was like kind of quote unquote my thing. Um, I'm just like, no, I'm planting my flag. This is my favorite movie. I, you know, this, this is my jam, but now being kind of part of, uh, uh, the larger community, it's like, oh, everybody loves this movie even better. That's cool. Right, right, right. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's all sorts of generational, you know, uh, generations, old guys like us and, mm-hmm. and new kids. And I, I was listening to your podcast the other day, a little plug for your podcast in your podcast. I Thank think. you. Appreciate um, you listening. <laughs> listening to the, the Q&A of, you know, the Transformer questions coming your way. And, and you said you weren't a big fan of the Baver stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not a big fan of the Baver stuff either. However, I do like the fact that they keep Transformers relevant with the next generation. You yes. Know, you, you see kids that come to these conventions, like the local show, like the, the Sidefest Northwest that you talked about this Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of kids that, that like the movie Bumblebee, which is fine, yeah. because I'd rather have them in, in the fandom liking that stuff rather than hearing old guys say, you know, well, Bumblebee was a you know, Volkswagen bug or you know, not a Camaro. And, and uh, it's like, well, to each his own. And that's one of the nice things about Transformers is that there's so many iterations and so much of the genre that you can find one that you like. You might have some that you don't like, but at least it gives that diverse fandom a choice to pick, pick from. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's a broken record at this point, but one of the things that I love so much about Transformers is that there is something for everybody. And it's it's great. So let's uh so let's talk about uh, some of the stuff that you're going to be doing at Sidefest. Yeah. Um. Uh. First of all, so, um. You know, because you go way back with uh with the fan community and all that. Um. Have a kind of talk about kind of like your involvement with Sidefest. It's like, have you uh did you start off as a fan and then became a vendor or uh, exhibitor or kind of kind of what's what's been your Sidefest journey? Actually, so to to start off chronologically i was actually a vendor in botcon for about four or five years oh okay wow cool what i would do is i would in college um back in the 90s last century i would um i would uh hang up flyers around campus and say you know you have a transformer collection because a lot of people want to get rid of their collections and you know have bigger money or whatever so i would do that and i'd buy them and then i'd go down to BotCon, I'd piece out what I wanted to keep, and then I'd go down to BotCons and I'd sell them. And I met some friends, and we did that for, for about five or six years. Um, and then after that, my inventory kind of went dry. Right. <laughs> but then I, um, uh, then I started um, upgrading my own collection. So I actually have all the U.S. G1 toys from 84 to 90, um, Oh, a lot wow. of them are in boxes and cards and whatnot. And, and so I, I would then buy some to upgrade. Like if the figure was a little bit broken or the box was a little bit mashed, I'd buy another better box than sell the, sell the lesser one. And so I had this inventory of stuff that I would buy. Uh, and I wouldn't, I'd sell it on eBay every once in a while. But then when I found out about Sidefest, I, um, I thought, oh, there is an avenue where I can sell things that I don't want or that I've upgraded from the from my my own collection. So all this is my own personal collection where I bought it over time because I mm-hmm. wanted it, displayed it, or stored it in the closet and didn't realize I had it, and then <laughs> and then uh, said, hmm, I should you know give this to the next person that wants this. And so that's where I when I found out about Sidefest, that's when I started dealing there. That must have been 2014, 15, something about that. Oh, okay. Um, so not. Not terribly too long ago. I think I was in the last SideCon, I believe. I, I was a vendor at the last SideCon. So, so I've been doing that for, for, um, for a few years. And that's one reason I, I think it's fun, because I can bring a lot of weird, unique Transformer things that you don't really see 
like you have a lot of the new stuff and mm-hmm. and the toy dojos are going to be there and the ages three and up are going to be there and they have a lot of great stuff yeah and a lot of it's the modern stuff where people say hmm i want to see this in person let me check it out um you know masterpieces or third-party stuff or whatever it may be um i'll bring things like rock'em sock'em transformer robots like the actual transformer ones or um uh, uh what else do i have the old action place activity play set from 85 i think it was or birthday cards from the uk that say you know generation one birthday cards that say happy birthday has a picture of menasaur on it you know things like that where oh that's cool you don't you don't see them all that often um and and certainly not at little local shows or at least a lot of a lot of times you don't see them so i like the fact that i can bring something unique and different for people to take a look at yeah, that's really neat, and I, I I've seen um, a lot of the stuff that you've posted on Facebook and in some of the uh, uh, the Transformers groups. I mean, because yeah. like like you'll you'll occasionally have like purge sales and just kind of like try to try to get rid of stuff. But I I gotta tell you, it's like a lot of the stuff that you've posted up there has has been like super impressive. Like you know a lot of uh, you know like uh, autographed pieces, super rare stuff, um, stuff that you know it's like I've either never heard of. Or never seen in the wild before. It's just uh, it, it's just it's just an impressive array of stuff that uh, that you've put up there. Yeah, and a lot of it is is kind of the, the maturation of my collecting. I used to be a completist all the way through Armada, Cybertron, Energon. Um, uh, I, I would you know if it came out on the store, I'd go get it, and I'd have my little hunting ground of Walmart, Target, Fred Meyer, Toys R Us, you know, and go find all the figures that came out. And um, after a while, it was it just became too much, and so I started to to downsize. So I'm trying to focus mainly on the G1 and G2 lines, and and the the like original 80s lines, not necessarily reissues. So I okay. bought the reissues, you know, as a lot of people do, and I said that's really cool because it's a brand, you know, brand new uh, figure of an old figure, but it's new, it's, you know, made in this decade. Right. Um, and I go, well, but it's not really from the 80s, so would I rather have room for stuff from the 80s or room for, for um, you know, the, the reissue stuff? So that's where this year I'm, I'm getting rid of a lot of my reissue, encore, G1-type um, items just to make room for the other stuff that I want to keep. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yep. Oh, so and it, it, I would imagine, you know, as as somebody that has, you know, a, a handful of uh, items and collections myself, um, I would imagine a lot of these decisions are just based on space, you know, like economy of room that you have. Right. Right. Yeah, and a few conversations with the wife. <laughs> oh, sure. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Why do I get all the? all the closet space in the guest bedrooms and, and, uh, you know, well, okay, you're right. I should probably, um, you know, think of downsizing some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's also, I remember, uh, it was a few years ago. I opened up a box. I just had a a big cardboard box full of, um, Cybertron figures all sealed on the cards or sealed in their boxes. And I opened it up going, I I don't really remember these figures all that much. I watched the show a little bit, but not too much. And um, I had, like, no connection to it. So I'm like, well, why am I keeping this figure? So then I would I would go to SideFest and whatnot and, and sell them around. Yeah, it, uh, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, uh, you know, 
a lot of folks kind of really dug on Marie Kondo when that when that first hit, and it's like, does it bring you joy? Right. And so it kind of you know started off as like basic house cleaning, but before long, that that philosophy kind of spilled over into collecting, and right. you know you saw you saw a lot of stuff change hands, kind of kind of when that when that first went kind of viral there. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So let's. So with with Cybefest, so um, you're uh, so you'll have a table at this year's show as well. You'll be a you'll be a dealer. Yeah, I'm going to be a dealer, and I just saw the table um, the table layout for the show, and I'm kind of excited because I'm right across from David Kay. He's kind of um, tucked there on the side, and I'm like the sh- I'm the booth that faces him. So I'm excited to, <laughs> to just kind of hang out there and watch the crowd talk to David Kay a lot. That's really cool. That's uh, that that's definitely a cherry of a spot. Um, can uh, can you talk about some of the stuff that you'll have on the table aside from maybe some of the things we've already mentioned? Yeah. So um, uh, a lot of like I mentioned the the Encore G One um, toys. Uh, there's a lot of them that were issued that they came out. I don't know, ten or so years ago ish. Um, and I'm I'm I have them all ready to be sold. Um, a lot of the old PVC figures or the SCF figures, those little um, figurines are like two inches tall. Um, I collected oh, yeah. those because they were, you know, they had G1 figures in them. They're all, a lot of them are G1 figures. And, uh, uh, well, time for those to go. And a lot of them are, are, are still carted and just, just taking up space. And then a few other things that I have, um, um, some, some of the, I'll say off-colored masterpieces. So not the G1 like Trax. There was Road Rage. He was the red version of Trax. And I, oh, okay. well, he's you know a great G1 figure and a homage to to Caroline, but doesn't quite fit my G1 motif. So so a lot of those are are are, are leaving my collection, or hopefully to leave my collection <laughs> at Sidefest as well. Very cool. So, uh, so yeah, lots of stuff there, and I, I, um, you know, as as we're talking, it's kind of jogged my memory, and uh, yeah, I, I, I am probably going to spend a lot of time at your table, and I think a lot of my listeners will probably end up competing with me a little bit because I've, uh, I, I've definitely got an eye on uh, those, uh, those Takara reissues, the, the, the storybook style. Um, I just, I really like that aesthetic, and it was one of those things I remember when like they they first came around i was like oh these were really cool but they they had import level price tags on them it was just way out of budget for me and now some you know over 10 years later it's like suddenly a lot of those pieces are you know very affordable mm-hmm. and and you know like i, I i've picked up um a couple few of them already and you know i, I was i was just um you know, kind of crossing the streams a little bit here, but I was I was just talking to Mahalo Mike a little bit ago, mm-hmm. and and we were talking about how um, you know with with shifting interests. So like so like for example, the a lot of the things that you're uh, uh, moving, rotating out of your collection, 
are a lot of items that other folks that may be just starting either a new collection or looking to add to their own is right in their wheelhouse. So, for example, you know, you've kind of had your use out of the uh, out of those reissues, whereas I'm like, oh, I'm at a spot in my collection where that those would actually fit in pretty well. So it's it's interesting how collections can kind of have like a a second third life and kind of have that that uh um recycling uh type type right. of there's a lot of recycling going on we're we're very uh, environmentally friendly with our collections <laughs> despite them being made out of uh oily plastics right 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 <laughs> um so yeah, let's uh let's talk about some of the other stuff that uh, that you'll have going on at mm-hmm. Sidefest as well because you uh you are also hosting a panel um uh, talking about uh, scripts and I thought uh, I thought it would be really cool if you kind of uh, share some of that and let's uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, so this is I, I'm I'm excited about and, and nervous about because the first panel I'm hosting at Sidefest or first Transformer panel I'm, I've ever I've ever had. Um, this gets back to, well, what does one do when he's, he has a lot of the G1 stuff that he wants? Um, where, where does he take the collection? And then the next step in that collection is, well, what are some of the oddball things? What are some of the behind-the-scenes magic that happens? And so at, at different conventions, bot-cons or, or TF-cons or even side-fests, um, you meet with people and they say, hey, you know, I know this guy that has an old script of something or I've met some writers from the old G1 show. And they talk about their stories or they might sell me um, copies of their, of their scripts and talk about, you know, what could have been or deleted scenes or how they, you know, how the production came together. And so I've, in my research, I found a lot of sites on the web that actually have old G1 scripts in them that you can actually download yourself. Um, and I'm going to, I printed out a bunch of them, and I'm going to bring them to SciFest for people to take a look at because they'll see, hey, this line wasn't actually in the show. They edited this line out or, or however it was. And I'm, I'm doing a presentation on um, some of that material, like some of the weird oddball facts that you might not know, like um, did you know Chip Chase was not originally named Chip Chase? I did not know that actually. Yeah, and um, Grimlock wasn't the original name for Grimlock, and and you go through the Transformer Bible or some of the scripts, and you realize, mm-hmm. hey, wait a minute, who? This is Grimlock's line, but it says you know something else. So I'm actually going to be presenting um, some of that behind the scenes production stuff from the scripts and other storyboard material that I found on the web, so people can see, oh, you know that that's interesting. Like um, it even looks like. Uh, some of the storyboards from the Transformers, the movie, your favorite movie there. Yeah, man. Um, looking at some of the storyboards, you go, wow, did you know Blue Streak was supposed to be in the movie? Mm-hmm. Or um, did you know that it looked like Wheeljack was supposed to survive, but it, in the you know real production movie, he didn't? Right. So looking at some of the storyboards, it's like, well, I didn't know that, or I didn't know they were supposed to show, you know, Trailbreaker died. Mm-hmm. Who knew? So I'm bringing some of that material to the show for people to look at, and, and we can talk about it in my panel, um, just to give the G1 fan that you know knows a lot about G1 maybe that extra little information. I didn't know that Chip Chase's name didn't start out as Chip Chase. Yeah. So so I, you know, and I'm not giving it away to you or your listeners here. Right. Trying to you know build anticipation yeah. for that panel. 
because we want people to go go right. to Sidefest because it's really cool. That's uh, that is this Saturday, July twenty seventh at the Kent Commons Community Center. Uh, if you had the opportunity to pre register, doors open at ten uh, for general admission. It is um, eleven o'clock. Show goes until five. Uh, tons of activities. Uh, you can find out about all of that and more at the website Sidefest S Y B F E S T nw.com uh, and uh, the Facebook page seems to be kind of the most prevalent uh, social media for uh, for Sidefest related stuff so I'd recommend uh, you check that out and uh, um, so Ryan when uh, what what time is your panel uh, my panel I believe it's at 12 15 so so right there in the middle of well actually well, early-ish in the show if you come at 11 but um yeah, twelve fifteen, and it's only a half an hour. Right. Um, they asked me how long I wanted the panel, and I was a little bit worried about being able to find enough cool material enough to talk about <laughs> the show. So I said, ah, give me 30 minutes. And then I have, I'm just finding all sorts of stuff in my research. I'm like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. So I have to figure out how to pare it down into, into 30 minutes. But I'll have a lot of that same material at my booth. People can stop by and take a look at. Um, I've printed out some of the, the scripts if people want to, by by the printouts again they're all online so i don't want to say like these are my own personal things right um so i've printed them out um just you know for the cost of me printing them out right. you can have them too not a big deal um the, the important thing is to share them with the fans and, mm-hmm. and, and those that want to learn more about g1 stuff um it's 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 kind of fun to hear all this behind the scenes stuff or learn about this behind the scenes stuff in my my buddy Rich Helsher and I, that have gone to BotCon since '99 together, mm-hmm. um, he helped me put together a lot of this material. We were watching episodes and looking at the script and figuring out what's a deleted line, what's a, what's not a deleted line, you know, what's different and what would be a fun fact for people to know. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Hopefully, it gives some something uh, for the G1 fan that thinks they know everything, something to look forward to. That's really cool, and you uh, and, and I think I saw on Facebook too. Uh, in anticipation of uh, your panel, you posted a picture of some of the scripts that you'll have, um, including uh, one of the first drafts of Transformers the movie uh, that that psychedelic bonkers Ron Friedman script. Oh golly, yeah, it, it is bonkers. It's 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 great. Um, but uh, but you also included a link to. Uh, uh, the source for that, and I, I, I was kind of dinking around with that just a little bit. Didn't really get into much, but there's, there's a robust variety of old G1 scripts in there that that's definitely worth folks checking out. Yeah, old G1 scripts and size charts and 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 uh, production material mm-hmm. like old memos from from Hasbro and stuff. So there's a lot of stuff out there. And again, I I certainly want to say it's it's. It's not my personal stuff. I'm trying to take what was on the web, and I talked to one of the guys that that owns the Google Doc drive that has a lot of stuff on there. Uh-huh. And he just says the main thing with that panel: if you know people that have stuff, let's add to it so that we yeah. can have this grow and people can learn more and more and more about about kind of the behind the scenes uh, behind the scenes of our our favorite our favorite cartoon of the '80s. Well, and that's kind of what it is, right? You know, it's almost kind of like an open source type thing where it's like if you've got stuff, you know, uh, kick it in and contribute uh, so that we can all enjoy. 
And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, you're you're uh, selling those scripts, but basically the cost is just, you know, for a production for you to print and bind. And, you know, in the picture that you shared, they look pretty cool. I mean, it's like I, I remember at a, at the uh, uh, Pike Place Market, I, d- I don't know if they still do, but uh, um, Golden Age Collectibles is in there and they would have like, you know, uh, printed and bound scripts. And I, I remember when I was in high school, you know, it's like I bought like uh, the script for Pulp Fiction and, you know, like uh, like a couple other things like uh, uh, Clerks and, you know, wh- whatever I, I was super into when I was in high school. And so I always liked that that uh opportunity to get you know just something that's like printed and tangible and and because yeah it's like i i could download the google doc and take it to the copy place but i don't want to i i'd 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 much rather uh <laughs> get it from from the guy that took the time and care um uh and as yeah like a sharing thing so i i just think that's really really cool yeah well good good i hope you come check it out i i um and it's like i said it's fun reading them because there's a lot of handwritten edits in in there saying you know it's not this person saying this it's change the line to this or or whatnot and and uh and so it's kind of fun and even what you thought were animation errors this is another teaser for my panel what people thought were animation errors was actually made because the scene was cut differently than it was originally intended so you follow the script and go oh that's why he did that but when you don't know that behind-the-scenes script stuff, you go, "Why did he do that? that that's stupid." So, ah, so. that's that's really cool. That's yeah. yeah I, I'm really excited uh, for your panel. That uh, um, aside from my own, then and the bots posting and the cosplay and the uh, who am I kidding? I'm looking forward to all of them. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm going to be buzzing around all over the place, going from the panel room to the dealer room. Um, it's a uh, it, it's going to be an incredible convention. And 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 you would know more than more than most. Um, this is probably, with you know, hy- hyperbole aside, um, probably the biggest uh, side fest that's ever been. I would, I would say so. With the with the guest lineup, especially with David Kay kind of right? anchoring the show with with as the voice actor of Beast Wars Megatron, and and uh, he's a fantastic guy. He loves the fans. He loves meeting with the fans. He's a great guy to interact with. He's coming and selling those little um, like staple easy buttons, but instead of saying that was easy, it says yes in his before <laughs> tones. And yep. and, uh, and he, he just loves interacting with the fans. And I think that's going to be really cool. And, and, and to, to um, kind of prove out your theory of this might be the biggest side fest Northwest ever, I will say, yeah, because this one I'm kind of wishing I wasn't a dealer because I'll be stuck behind the table when it's like, oh, you know, you're going to do a podcast of Transforming the Movie? I, I kind of want to be there. Oh, right. David Kay is going to talk about his experience as, you know, voice actor for, for some of the most iconic Transformer characters? Right. Well, I, I kind of want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's the deal. Here Here is my plea to everybody listening. What you need to do is you need to go to Ryan's table and buy all of his stuff. All of oh. it. Oh yeah, and then just buy all of his stuff, and then he's like, "Oh, I I got no more stuff left." So then, so then Ryan can come enjoy uh, all the panels. Yeah, just put up my feet, put my feet up, and listen to David <laughs> K. Listening to Mike, oh my god, right. like just you're a close 
second to David Kay, you know. Oh, thanks, buddy. I, I appreciate you. That's that's great. Um, so so I guess I, I guess the, the the next thing I wanted to uh, talk about is because like um, like we mentioned before, you uh, you go way back in the fandom mm-hmm. and, you know, you've been to all these bot cons and and uh, incidentally, I should mention here that it's it's funny where I've I think I've seen you at two different TF cons, yep. but, but we never really hung out or anything. It was just like, oh, hey. And then then it's like, oh, I'll, I'll catch up and find you later. Never right. does. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were in Chicago together and then we were down in California together, I, I think. And yeah, we. You know, the local guys go, hey, there you are, shake your hands, yep. you know, see, see you around because it's a three-day convention and I'm sure we'll bump into each other. And then we never do because, you know, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing. Yep. And it's, it's certainly something something to enjoy. But, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, at, least, at least, though, mm. what I like about that is I know there's a local guy there. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, the Northwest is represented. We have people there, and, and at least there's a friendly face. Uh, to to the crowds, the hordes of Transformer fans that go to that go to those shows. Quite so, so. and yep. so uh, so the thing I wanted to ask you about uh, with regards to the fandom is how how do you feel about Transformers fandom as kind of like a larger concept now compared to. Uh, perhaps I don't know when when you first kind of kind of took that step into the larger world and realized, like you were sharing earlier, that that that, that there is a larger fandom. Uh, could you kind of compare and contrast that with with how that is versus today? Uh, we're older and fatter. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because I in 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 dealing with this collection all the way from the '80s until now, just on basically the whole time um there is a lot of there's shifts in dynamics there were um back in college when i go to the local used toy store in bellingham and i'd buy a bunch of you know used parts or used figures and they're beat up or the ones i never had as a kid and then um uh so it was all kind of a yeah let me get a complete g1 car for six dollars and i thought that was so expensive back then and and uh, so I do that, and we you know trade stories or trade things, and it was very very local and very very um, uh, organic. And now you have people that say, "Hey, look at that old G1 Trailbreaker. That's the figure your dad used to have," and they're showing their kids, and their kids are like, well, "You know that figure looks horrible compared to the engineering of the toys these days." Right. But, but um, so so now it's now it's certainly a lot more of a. A business and the online stores are are um, kind of making it, I'll say, easier for us to collect eBay or you know Toy Dojo or Ages Three and Up, where you go, hey, I want that figure. It's an import from Japan. Bam, I can buy it from my living room. Yeah, it's 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 a lot easier, um, and that's where I like finding out in the different Facebook forums that I that I'm in. Of like someone saying, "Hey, did you know about this G1 Skywarp soap dispenser?" And then <laughs> you know, then I say, "Well, I have one sealed in the box." And then we show pictures, and it's like, "Oh my gosh, that's so cool!" And what's the markings on it? What's the copyright? And let's figure out, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so there's a lot of digging into the history rather than just getting the characters now, but also getting the characters is a lot easier to come by when it when you have this online presence. Just how vast it is, yeah. is right now. 
Well, yeah, and and like you said, so many outlets, and you know, I mean, through the uh, just being relatively new to the Facebook groups too, I'm just like, oh man. I'm going to go broke unless I start trying to like, you know, limit myself. It's like, I don't need to jump on every deal that looks halfway enticing to me. It's like, Oh, Oh, wait a sec. <laughs> well, well start that after this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go, go on your collecting diet after Saturday. Absolutely. And again, <laughs> buy Ryan's stuff and, you know, and, and buy everyone else's stuff too, because like the, the thing that I enjoyed um, about going to Sidefest Northwest last year was just the insane variety of stuff. It's like, you know, and and uh, if I remember, oh, no, wait a minute, I'm, I'm getting this all mixed up. I was going to say I went to Sidefest after Chicago, but that's that's not correct. Sidefest was in August and Chicago was in what, like uh, September, October. October. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was one of those things where it's like I hadn't really seen um, a lot of third party out in the wild. You know, I hadn't really seen a whole lot of uh, masterpiece out in the wild. You know, I had kind of, kind of got accustomed to seeing like you know loose, broken G one stuff. But yeah, it was just um, that that something for everybody. Uh, type of thing where it's just like yeah there's there's like all these really cool reissues um you know there there's you know all, all all the loose stuff and yeah it was just i was just blown away by how diverse you know not only on each dealer's individual table but how that kind of added to the tapestry of just kind of like the dealer room in general just a just a huge variety of oh, yeah. really cool stuff oh yeah i agree i mean if the, if the dealer room was just full of people like me i'd it'd be boring and a lot of people wouldn't like it you have right. you said you talked to to mahalo mike yep. I think, right before me and He's the one with the, the grab bags, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got uh, got yeah. the blind bags. Yeah, the it, blind bags. Those things were fantastic last year. Huge hit. Yeah, huge hit. I think he, he sold out of all of them, and he was wondering what he's going to do this year, and he figured out how he's going to do it. And it's really <laughs> cool because it's it's um, you know it's it's this blind bag, and you're you're going to get a good figure for the price. And I think he has different sizes of the blind bags. I yeah. think this year, and mm-hmm. and uh, that's really cool. And and that's just another way of of. Um, you know, people can have fun in the collecting. You know, I, I have a probably I'd call a little higher end stuff because my own personal collection a lot of it's sealed, so I have a little bit more premium price that not everyone's going to be interested in. A lot of people like those tubs where they dig in and they're looking for parts or they're looking for a certain figure and they you know want it cheap and they can find them there. That's fantastic. I like that because mm-hmm. that's you know that's a good um, target audience that we're looking for to to go and have that experience. I even have little um, uh, pencils or little G1 um, tattoos. They're, they're new G1, so they're of the G1 figures, but they're oh, new. Okay. Um, and I hand them out to the kids because it's like, hey, you know, what kid wouldn't like going to a show and, you know, he might not have a whole lot of money to spend, but it's the experience that counts, and that'll bring them back and that'll keep them engaged with Transformers. You can go home and say, look at all the loot that I got. You know, that's exciting. That's, that's cool stuff, and that's how it how it keeps the the the, the trading and the and the um, collecting of transformers and the fandom going. Absolutely, and you know, and, and just the fun of it. 
Yeah. You know, sharing, collecting, uh, making memories, because like one of the things that, that we talked about when we first started, when you were talking about uh, your laser beak, you know, it's like, you know, you have that vivid memory of opening it first. And I think like, you know, especially like the kiddos that because I mean, to tangent a bit, one, one of the things that, that I also really enjoy about Sidefest, I don't have kids myself, but I appreciate how kid friendly it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's something that's kind of missing from uh, like like TFCon, for example. It's like, you right. know, it, it's it's fine. And I I definitely get my joy and use about it. But I wonder about like the little ones that that are just kind of basically like screaming in the back of the panel room. You know, it's just <laughs> like, ugh. yeah. Well, that- yeah. And I, I know the Sidefest guys, Ben and Jason and Liz, mm-hmm. they do a lot of um they focus a lot on that kid stuff. They have a kid's yeah. play area so the kids can go and mess with Transformers because the worst thing in the world, you go to a toy convention and your parents say, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that. And so it's like, well, where, where is the fun in that? So they have a play area for the kids to, to hang out in and, and do different activities. Um, you know, I, I find it funny where you have some of the really hardcore old collectors like, you know, this isn't fun. I, you know, I want to see, you know, all the new masterpieces, or I want to do this. Well, you can yeah. do that there, but they're also catering to everybody else, mm-hmm. and everybody else means people not like me, people not like you. It's, right. it's everybody else, and so to find that balance is, I've, I've always been impressed with, with how you know the kids like the little transforming contest that they do, and yeah, and, you know, the trivia contest, and and. Uh, you know, it's it's something that I don't see in the major. You know, BotCon's never really done that. Um, you know, TFCon doesn't really do that. They're they're catering more towards the collecting community yeah. rather than the, the the kid fandom. So, I like Sidefest for that. And since it's local and small, they can pull it off a lot better. Absolutely, and you know, it, it's just kind of funny because I think as now adult collectors that have grown up with this brand and these characters and and this fandom and fiction is i i think sometimes folks like us uh forget that this is a brand geared towards children you know it's it's like these are supposed to be children's toys oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's pretty bad when i relate more to the uh villain in toy story 2 as the collector that keeps things behind right? glass or sealed in the original boxes, going, oh yeah, I kind of do that. Forgot they're actually supposed to be, you know, ripped apart and <laughs> transformed. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, well, and 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 that's you know a, a tangent within a tangent, but yeah, I mean that that's kind of the 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 magic of those Toy Story movies is like you know each each you know chapter kind of uh, touches on a different part of the of the uh, collector's mentality mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like and I just recently saw uh, Toy Story four and had all kinds of existential dread I wasn't looking for but <laughs> but no it's it, it's a good movie and it and it kind of builds on some of the things from three. Uh, but still it was like, you know, for, especially with Toy Story 2, like you were just saying, it's like, you know, uh, you have the opportunity to see these, uh, children's toys and play things from a few different perspectives. And I just, I, I can't think of another fiction that has 
captured people's relationships with their, you know, with 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 with, with kind of like the avatars of their imagination and just kind of like the importance of, well, quite frankly, for for toys, for, you know, that that just that special magic that uh, that that just kind of comes from it. It's. I don't know where I was going with that. I just kind of like went on like this whole tangent because, yeah, those those movies make me feel things in a way that I'm not always prepared for. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and if you think, you know, you, you ask the question of, you know, the fans back then, back in the day versus fans now, and just think, of, you know, when you and I were kids and you have your birthday and you open up Soundwave or, or you get Fort Max, as, as you so eloquently described in your last podcast, um, you know, it... it bring you joy but you also didn't think about well i better keep this figure in a pristine you know right you know condition or keep the box because of the artwork and, and you know and and um that's kind of what makes the hunt of the hunt of it now all that more exciting because yeah. if, if everyone kept everything they had as a kid then you probably wouldn't be all that nostalgic now or certainly wouldn't be uh, worth much collecting so exactly so it's a, you know, thank goodness people threw away their collections. <laughs> That's a good point. I, 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 I like how you frame that. And so, actually, so, so Ryan, one, one of the last things I'll, I'll ask you before we close out here, because uh, again, just like with everyone else I've connected with, uh, we can all chat for hours. Oh, I think, yeah. I, I think one of these times we should do like, uh, like, like maybe like a, a Pacific Northwest uh, a collectors roundtable or something. Get like a half a dozen of us together and just, you know, just crack open some mics and just, just. Just shoot the breeze like it like like in the way that, you know, uh, like Ben has talked to me about, you know, like a lot of those old um, uh, get togethers that you guys would have. You know, it's like, you know, like the cookouts and the and and those kind of things. Um, I, I think it would be kind of cool to, you know, maybe kind of like reconnect and do something like that. And and yeah, maybe do some recording and and yeah, share stories or whatever. Oh, I'd be totally down with that. You know, I, when I was listening to your podcast, when you did the little Transformer Q&A thing, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I have an answer to that question. I have an answer to that question. Yeah. Well, and, and I just, I don't remember where I stumbled upon that list. It's like somebody just happened to tweet it. And I was just like, oh, wait a minute. I could do something with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that would just be fun too, you know, just to kind of like get what these, um, I mean, so like, like for example, I, I don't know if you heard it or not, but uh, Ben and Liz were both recently guests on uh, Transmissions, on the Transmissions podcast. Mm. And they, uh, you know, talking all about Cybefest and getting, getting folks hyped up. Um, it's a, uh, I, I think it was last week's episode, if not week before, I don't remember. Uh, uh, but anyway, like they, they kind of went through like rapid fire general questions. It's like, you know, Apple or Android, you know, those, those kind of just kind of like polarizing questions. Right. Yeah. And it was cool to listen the, to the two of them, uh, Ben and Liz, answer these questions and to be surprised by each other's answers. It was like, whoa, I... I didn't know that. So, so yeah, I think even maybe just going through uh, the fandom questions is like a roundtable type thing. It'd be it'd be kind of cool to see what we can learn from each other in that. It's like, whoa, you're you're into that character, okay? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Or or that proverbial knife fight that you said about oh that gosh. Rumble is <laughs> red. 
<laughs> you know, I've uh, I, I've really uh, uh, one of the other Transformers podcasts that I'm super into is uh, uh, Transformers University with uh, Anthony Bracali, and um, and I I really like how he's really dialed into uh, the differences between Rebel and Frenzy because he'll be like, you know, uh, uh, Frenzy the blue one, and there, there's been a couple of things and. Uh, Oh gosh, what was it? Uh, you know, he's talking about some of the manga and some of the other. Um, oh, I forget what it was. I, I'm I'm drifting here. Oh, he was. I think he was talking about like. Uh, um, oh, it was the the cassette reissues uh, coming out of San Diego Comic Con, and um, he he just said, uh, you know, as an aside, you know, frenzy, the expensive one. <laughs> you know, and so yeah, it's it's I I like how he's kind of tackled that because he just he just. Um, uh, refers to it by whatever it is in that particular fiction that he's covering. So if he's reading a comic book and Frenzy happens to be blue, he'll say like Frenzy the blue one or, you know, talking about the toys, Rumble the red one. And and it's one of those things. And I, I think I may have uh, uh, posted this, but I would almost think that the single carded Frenzy that they're putting with the uh, the the Japanese cassettes I think that would have been a, a really cool way for Hasbro to totally troll the fandom because it's the blue one, right? Right. Um, call him Rumble. Oh. Just ooh. just to just make people's heads explode because they're already doing Frenzy in his uh, two-pack with, um, uh, with Ravage, I think. Um, or maybe it's Laserbeak. I, d- I don't remember which one is which. But, um, but anyway, so they're already doing the reissue of the, of the classic two-pack cassettes, but they're also doing a single-carded uh, Frenzy the Blue one. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, now, now I'm getting all mixed up. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, uh, Frenzy the Blue one. And yeah, it would just been cool if they, if they called him Rumble just to, just to mess with fans because that's, that, that's something that, that'll, that'll never get settled. Well, yeah. Well, that's part of the, the fun in the conversation. Mm-hmm. There's not really a wrong answer because it's how you interpret things, but uh, it certainly you have a lot of different answers when it comes to those things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be totally down if you if you have a local collector community podcast. Sure, I'd be happy to. to to listen to my own self talk. <laughs> well, and and get used to it because you've uh, you've got your panel coming up on Saturday, so that's uh, uh, that's going to be really cool, and I'm really looking forward to that. Well, good. I, I hope to see you there, and and um, I hope it goes well. I'm you know a little bit nervous about it, and my my you know stage fright is is what happens if I'm sitting there and like Liz comes up and says, "Okay, Ryan, it's twelve fifteen. Start your panel." And there's like one guy sitting yeah. in the audience. <laughs> like, oh no. Well, <laughs> and and even with that though, that one guy that's there wants to be there. Yep. Y- you know, and and that's kind of the conversation that I'll have with musicians at times because, like, you know, all uh, all of the bands and artists and musicians that I talk to always have that story of like they're they're playing in some dirt bar somewhere in some podunk town, and there's one guy in the audience. And and it sucks. It's not it's not a great feeling. But then you realize, you know, like um, sometimes it's kind of like a quality over quantity thing. It's like, you know, maybe not, so, you know, not every seat is going to be filled up. But the folks that want to be there, well, I mean, they paid they paid to get into Cybefest. So so that's step one. You know 
that folks there want to be there. So if they're taking the time to pay to get in and to go watch the panel, chances are they're, they're, they either want to be there or are very curious about it. And I think I'm saying all of this out loud uh, for myself also. Because, <laughs> I mean, my spot is so I'm um, – I my uh, panel is after David Kay. And it's during the last hour of the show. So that's during the fire sale where people are going to be trying to get those last minute deals. And I'm going to be sitting there trying to talk about Transformers the movie. But uh, um, I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I, I you know what? You, um, you've got really good material. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're, you're going to absolutely crush it. Don't don't be nervous. It's uh, it's you know, it's a friendly crowd as uh, as we like to call it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm. I'm looking forward to this year. It's gonna be awesome. Very cool. And uh, so, Ryan, before we part ways for now, uh, could you let folks know where they can uh, connect with you on the internets and the social medias if folks want to uh, get in touch with you? Um. Well, sure. I'm. I'm a little bit light in my social media presence. Um, no Twitter, no things like that. I am on Facebook. There's the local uh, Pacific Northwest Transformer groups out there, or um, uh, what is it? There's, there's a few other Facebook groups that I belong to. Yeah, there's it, there's a few different ones. Yeah, just it's it's the Ryan King. So you know, look up for the Ryan King, and if he's from Seattle and has Transformers and marching band photos on his, that that's me. <laughs> that's me. Um, and then if you're on TFW. Um, 2005. If you're on TFW, mm-hmm. I, my screen name is not on the board. Actually, that was my when everyone asked me, you know, oh, are you online? Are you online? And I, I never was until I met the guys, the local guys up here. I said, you should, you know, register, and then we can have you know chats back and forth. So I thought, <laughs> well, what's the better screen name? Of they say, are you on the boards? And I'm like, I'm not on the boards. So now I am truly on the boards as not on the boards. Oh, that's funny. That that's a real who's on first situation there. Right. <laughs> it's like no, it's not on the boards. Well, what's your screen name? Not on the boards. Yeah. But yeah. I thought you were on the boards. Like, yeah, I thought you posted something. Yeah, I posted something not on the boards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Well, uh, uh, Ryan, this has been an absolute blast. I, I'm glad that we, uh, after a couple uh, uh, glances and missed connections, that we finally had the opportunity to uh, uh, kick it for a few and you know kind of get to know each other a little better. And and man, I, I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, so am I. This week needs to go by pretty quick. It's Saturday. I'm fine with that. No kidding. All right. Well, uh, before we part ways for now, any uh, any particular parting thoughts that you would like to share with the listening audience? Well, uh, certainly, if you can, make it out to SideFest, even if it's for half an hour, an hour. Um, you know, it's not so big that you have to be there all day. Um, it's not so small that you, you won't find something that you're interested in. Um, drumming up interest in, in crowds and, and uh, getting the word out there, um, that's really great. And it's not just because I'm a dealer there that wants to sell my stuff, but <laughs> I'm a Transformer fan that, that likes interacting with the community and and likes to see the uh, the hubbub and the buzz through the room. So hopefully everyone that can make it there can make it there. And, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. 
Very cool. And, you know, this is a kind of an off-the-cuff question that I just thought of, uh, you know, like right right before uh, before I was going to let you go. But um, when when I went to Sidefest last year, I, I went late in the day because I was working. Um, but um, so let me ask you this, because I haven't had the opportunity to ask anyone else and no one else has mentioned Ooh, it. Exclusive the, question. Yeah. Well, the uh, so folks had the opportunity to pre-register. Um and to get into the the dealer room an hour earlier, you know, you can get in at ten, whereas general audiences get in at eleven. And I even saw some of this at a, a TFCon a little bit too, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, kind of crossing streams. But what's the advantage of getting in that hour early? Does it does it really make that much difference? I think for the the collectors that know what they're looking for, it does. So you know, a lot of us dealers post things on Facebook or online, and I know the SideFest guys kind of do a little, um, you know, dealer shout-out here and there with stuff that they want to sell. And like a lot of my stuff, I, I have one of it. So if you want a old Takara book form G1 Jazz, I have one. So, you know, it's kind of, it's first, one, first come, first serve, whereas um, you, you talk to the uh, uh, you know, Toy Dojo guys, and it's like, well, I really want to find a masterpiece, you know, Thundercracker or a masterpiece, sure. you know, uh, tracks or something. And you go, oh, well, they're probably going to have a few there. So um, I have no idea what they're going to have. So don't don't go to their booth and say, <laughs> Ryan King says that you you should have a figure. Yeah. But, but you know, they're, they have a business selling Transformers, so they have more than one item generally of, of, of the popular items there. So, you know, getting there first to, to get that, not that, um, you know, I'll say not as uh, not as time-sensitive, whereas if you go, oh, Ryan said he has an old, you know, Rock'em Sock'em Transformer robot. Right. It it's needs some work, everybody, but it's complete. <laughs> it needs some work. You need some elbow grease to it. But if you've ever wanted one, you know, there. <laughs> I only have one, and when it's gone, it's gone. And um, so that's that's where I think the the hardcore collectors that are looking for that find, you want to get in there at ten o'clock to see all what all the dealers have, um, to to check out all all the stuff and, and do your walkthroughs, and, and try to find that great deal. Uh, for those that just want to come for the experience, you don't necessarily have to pay for the the early bird or the registration. I guess mm-hmm. that it is. Um, you're going to have fun regardless because all the panels and all that kind of stuff start. Um, when the general public general admissions come in, so so it's it's fine. It's really those hardcore guys that say, "Yeah, I want to find something unique, and I want to get it before anybody else does." Very cool, great advice, and excellent insight. I I, I appreciate that. Um, so um, so Ryan, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on and to talk about Sidefest, and and uh, really looking forward to your uh, panel at twelve uh, fifteen. 1215 Saturday, was it June? 27th, July? Uh, July 27th. July 27th. Very cool. And that's, a, that's again, Fest Northwest 2019, Kent Commons Community Center, right across from the Show Air Center. Um, that's a, that's going to be a lot of great fun and would love to see as many people out as possible. Uh, Ryan, thanks again. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. And let's uh, let's talk again soon, okay? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun talking with you tonight. Call the Mike Cyber Radio Voicemail Hotline 231-224-MIKE. 
And for you youngins that don't know how the letters work on a phone, that's 231-224-6453. Get off my lawn. And the final guest announcement coming out of Cybefest Northwest is truly a robot in disguise. Bumblebee will be appearing with his human advisor, uh, Scott Hanline. Uh, come meet Bumblebee in the Kent Commons parking lot outside the Green River Room from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. during Cybefest Northwest on Saturday. And my, uh, my conversation with Scott actually started with a question that I, I get asked every once in a while. So are you are you actually affiliated to like Cybertron.com or is that just a coincidence? It's a it's a weird coincidence and it's interesting because I uh I I learned about their website only uh recently, like within like the last three years. And I was like, that's just weird. And I guess I guess from from what I hear, it has to do with the uh, uh, the Japanese pronunciation of of like the Transformers, like the Cybertrons and and whatnot, and oh, I, was, okay. I was like, okay, but it's weird because like it's the same spelling as uh, as my last name, and it's all it's all just a weird, bizarre uh, coincidence. I I got no affiliation with them uh, whatsoever, but you know, if, if they gave me a call, I I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't turn them down. So, but, but yeah, it's, it's weird. And I, uh, for me, at least I kind of like occupy a weird spot in the fandom, you know, like in terms of content creation, because my podcast is predominantly about like, uh, vague pop culture stuff you know i i do interviews and and spotlights with uh independent artists like i talk to like you know comic book creators uh other podcasters uh independent musicians uh things like that but what i've discovered in my podcast over the last uh like two three years is that my fandom keeps spilling over into into my podcast to the point where i i'm not I mean, there, there's a there's a million other Transformers podcasts, and I don't try to do what they do. I kind of just kind of try to do my own thing, where it's like you know I'm uh, like uh, for example, um, well actually a couple examples. One, I guess my involvement with Cybefest is you know a, a, a buddy of mine uh, turned me on to them just last year. Like you know before okay. la- before last year, I had no idea what Cybefest was. And that it was a thing, and you know, since then I've you know uh, chatted with uh, with Ben and Liz and Jason and some of the other folks, and kind of gotten the history, you know, how it it kind of developed from CybeCon and and a lot of that other stuff that I had no idea about. But um, I, I've also recently gone to a couple uh, TF cons, um, and I just recently got back from TF Con Toronto, and one of the things that I did there was. Uh, I did a bunch of interviews, but instead of chatting with like the big IDW comics artist, I chatted with uh, the smaller independent folks, you know, like a lot of like fan artists and, you know, like a lot of folks doing like, you know, plushies and keychains and, you know, all this other oh, yeah. stuff that's not mainstream comic book art. And because I, I feel like that's kind of like the space that I occupy in terms of what I um, put out there for podcast material. And again, it's like all my, 
Yeah, I, I can't keep my fandom out of it, <laughs> more or less, is, is a long story short. So one, one of the things I've been wanting to do since Sidefest last year is kind of try to help use my platform, this, uh, this podcast, to kind of try to get the word out a little bit. And, um, you know, and, and you've seen some of the, the uh, social media traffic on, on Facebook, you know, just kind of trying to get involved a little more. And a lot of that just kind of includes chatting with folks. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this uh, this Bumblebee car is freaking rad. In fact, you, you reached out to me. You're like, well, hey, man, if uh, if you like me to talk about the car, let's uh, let's do it. So, I mean, that's th- this is right in my wheelhouse. I just uh, I, I, I love talking about especially like the local scene, the independent scene, all of this cool stuff, which is a, a very long yeah. way to say I, I'm very excited to talk to you about uh, uh, about all this cool stuff, and I, I am I am stoked for Sidefest. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've been kind of you know, I've really shown up, or you know, I've actually met a lot of the local Transformers community and made a lot of friends through Sidefest. Um, I think my first year was there was uh, was it 2000. 15 it was it was the same year that guardians of the galaxy went out oh okay came out and there not too long before that you know um you know i had had kind of through the local transformers you know pnw uh transformers group or um and the you know local transformers collectors uh you know kind of bumped in with you know jason and and his wife rebecca and you know heck i i you know became such a good friends with them. like been able to see their daughter grow up, you know, she's getting big and, you know, Ben and, and his kid, um, we were really active. Ben Harpold. Yeah. Um, you know, got to, uh, Chris McGow is really good, you know, really good guy. Uh, just, just the nicest guy lives out in uh, Olympia. He's, he put on, um, a showing for the 1986 movie down in, uh, the old theater in Olympia that, you know, I came out to with my car and, um, Got to meet the uh, the the G one Bumblebee guy who lives over in Idaho. His name is Duke. Oh, cool! So, and and I invite you know I uh, directed the organizer for SummerCon over to Duke and say, hey, it'd be really cool if we had both Bumblebees there. Mm-hmm. And he got a hold of uh, Duke and was able to get Duke over there. So that's why we had both Bumblebees at the SummerCon this past uh, uh, this past June. Oh, that's rad! Very cool. Because yeah, I. So I I, I, I saw some of the pictures, and yeah, I just thought that was really cool. It's just really weird how I started doing Comic Cons, even. I mean, to be honest with you, before I went to the Geek Fest, which is what now is the Summer Con, Geek mm-hmm. Fest last year, I hadn't even been to a, an actual Comic Con before. I know losing some geek cred there, but I've always wanted to go, but it was just kind of like one of those things that's, um, well, to be honest with you, I, have a little bit of so- I had a little bit of social anxiety. Um, I used to be really shy. Mm-hmm. Um, and back like in, in junior high, high school, uh, in fact, junior high, I'd be like the shy kid that looked away. And, you know, even when I'm, you know, uh, even when I got Bumblebee, uh, actually, I didn't buy it to be Bumblebee at first. But even when I got the car, um, I was still fairly shy, but I was a little bit going a little bit more confident. I just come to find out that one of the reasons why I was really that shy is because I'm autistic. And I had no idea until just a year ago. <laughs> uh, but I was, oh. but what is uh what used to be asperger's is is pretty much that's that's 
Well, I am. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Now that I found that out. But it kind of explained a lot why I was friends with a lot of people yeah. that had the very similar um, hyper-focused passions, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so where I was going with that was that Bumblebee has changed my life. Owning that car has changed my life in so many countless ways, not only because of Transformers, but because of it being a Camaro. And I was really passionate about classic Chevys. My my favorite muscle car is a 69 Camaro RS SS 396. Mm-hmm. And even before I got Bumblebee, even before I saw the Transformers movie, I always loved that just classic 6970 uh, Chevy, like the Camaro, the Chevelle, the, the El Camino. My favorite my my favorite color scheme was was Daytona with the rally yellow with mm-hmm. the black rally stripes. That would that was that was that was I even have like a I have a, a, a model that I, I had made for um, uh, my ex cousin in law. That uh, was of a '69 Camaro. I made that back in 2003, but it was the yellow with the black rally stripes. So that's always been kind of a thing for me. Yeah, but. The first, the first week I owned that car, uh, we were first time I was filling up at a gas station. Mm-hmm. There was I was there at the pump, and there was a gentleman who was in a truck, and he was he was he was starting to pull out of the gas station, right? Mm-hmm. And he just stopped. He threw it in park. He opened up the door, leapt out of the car. Was so excited he didn't close the door. Um, left out of the truck, and you know, it was, it was, uh, and he came over. and He's like. Oh wow! I love Bumblebee. You know, my wife loves Bumblebee. Can we take the car's picture? And I was just, and I was like, at first, I was like, sure, sure, man, no problem. <laughs> just don't rob me. Yeah. And 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 that started happening. You know, back that was back in April of 2012, May. So, you know, the the new Camaro coming out with the the and it had an official Transformers package in 2010 for the 2010 model year. They offered that. Mine is not that. Mine is completely 100% custom. Um, it was just plain yellow, black rally stripes. That was it. And that kept happening a couple of times. And it was like very apparent real quick that uh, I didn't really have a choice in the matter of that car being Bumblebee. It was going to be Bumblebee <laughs> whether I liked it or not. Sure. what it is. But I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. Um, I grew up with Transformers. I love Transformers. That was the, seeing the movie in 2007 um, – where that tunnel scene changed, where he was in the older of the 70s Camaro. Yeah. Uh, which was actually my first Camaro. I had a 78 uh, LT. Uh, it was kind of, I didn't really, wasn't really super into cars that much then. So it was just kind of a clunker back then. But <laughs> when it changed from Beater B to the new B, and I, and I had seen the concept of the Camaro, I was like, that is my dream car. I got to have one. That is the car I want. I want it yellow with black rally stripes. Yeah. You know, that's what I want to do. And so when it finally came time to it, I was like, okay, well, I got the car now. It's going to be Bumblebee, whether I choose to or not. I might as well just make it my version of Bumblebee. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. It started, you know, modding it with what I got, with what I could afford. You know, I built models. And I've always had a tinker's kind of mentality and and really like to uh, do things on my own. I'm very much a do-it-yourselfer. I like to learn and um, you know, learn how to do things. So I real quickly joined up with Camaro forums and found a Facebook group that was, uh, uh, you know, Camaro club and, uh, joined a lot of other like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool. And so one of the things that's really helped over the years to really, as I mentioned, I was really shy. 
I'm not shy no more because if you own that car, people talk to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like like you said, it's you know, it's the striking yellow, it's it's the black stripes. It it is Bumblebee. Yeah. People talk to you and you know, it's it's um you don't really uh you're going to be broken out of your shell real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of use that synergy. I mean, I I sort of bring it to, you know, car shows here and there. And I would notice what people commented on and what people were looking for at it. And, you know, I'd listen in and see the reactions of the kids, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just went nuts for it. But, you know, I even have people in their 70s go equally nuts for it. Not just the fact that it's, it's the Camaro, but it, that it was Bumblebee. Right. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And, you know, as I started modding, it sort of became this synergistic thing when I took it to car shows and, you know, People would see it on the road. They start taking pictures, and and you know, just like anything else, you kind of get used to having, you know, you kind of get used to having it. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of one of those things where I'm I'm very much a humble guy. I'm not never was one to really wanted to soak up all the spotlight attention or anything like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So it was a humbling experience, and and it has been ever since. And, uh, you know, just driving down the road and having people like take pictures of it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, you get used to having it in your garage and driving it every day. Cause it was my daily driver up until a month and a half ago. Oh, okay. Uh, I had bought it in 2012. It's a 2011 Camaro, mm-hmm. uh, two SS RS. Um, I bought it and this bone stock when I bought it had 16,000 miles on it and now has 112,000 miles on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So heading all to all those different, uh, uh, car shows. So, um, so, so Scott, let me, let me ask you this. And, and so we know, um, a picture, uh, uh, says a thousand words and well, no, that, that's not how that goes. Um, but I was going to say, I'm, I'm looking at the, the pictures of, uh, Bumblebee now looking at uh, pictures of your car and I think the way that you know we've started in terms of like you know uh, uh, talking about what it is um, what what I was wondering is if you could describe to folks that are listening on a podcast that might not have seen the pictures of your car yet could you okay. explain what makes your Camaro specifically bumblebee because you you've mentioned some modifications but um but it's it's really really special and i was wondering if you could kind of describe about what makes your car specifically bumblebee okay well it's it's like i said it's kind of my version of bumblebee i you know it has a stock rally yellow paint job um color the movie versions were actually it was a it was a, a a paint product from a company called House of Color. It was called Sunrise Pearl. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like something like 300 bucks a quart. So I oh. really couldn't afford to really uh, change the paint too much, but it was more like a, of an orangey coloring. And for those people who have Bumblebee toys of that, that era, it's that color is what the, uh, the actual real Bumblebee was. But when it's put in film, it looks yellow. So, you know, I kept with that. Um, and actually what I did is I, I started as I was informed and, and seeing what other people were doing, I'd say, yeah, I like that little thing there, but I might do this a little bit differently, or I like that. And I have certain ideas. Um, and really, I kind of wanted to blend aspects of the three movie cars that were out at that time, um, 2012 being release of Dark of the Moon, 
Mm-hmm. Um, those movie cars together, plus the toys, uh, I kind of want to blend with that, plus some nods to like the 69 Camaro, which is why I have that, uh, the, the dovetail spoiler that I do. Um, that's something that none of the movie cars had. Uh, but I still wanted to be, I still wanted to be recognizable as Bumblebee. Yeah. And I think that I did a pretty good job of doing that so far. So, you know, it, I really studied the three different movie cars quite a bit. I modeled the first, the front end. Um, it's more like the Bumblebee in the second movie with the ports, mm-hmm. but the, it's actually more like the, the, the actual toy, uh, of Bumblebee, uh, around that era, uh, that around the, for the, that movie line, um, which is, uh, Revenge of the Fallen. Mm-hmm. It actually had a ZL1 front bumper. The ZL1s hadn't been released yet. So that was the first look at the ZL1 front bumper because um, that was different than the movie car of uh, the first movie and of Revenge of the Fallen. Had a, they both had different uh, front ends as did the third movie. So the toy itself had a different front end than the other three movie cars. Oh. Um, and so it was uh, a lot easier to find uh, that bumper than it was to try to custom build a one-off bumper. Uh-huh. Um, but it was still a lot of work to convert a Chevy SS Camaro into having a ZL1 front bumper. But I, I don't ever try to say it's a ZL1. Um, it's, it's an SS. Um, and I don't ever repre- misrepresent it as mm-hmm. an official GM package. Cause, uh, some, I have some people think that, that it was, and they asked me, and it's like, Nope, it's hundred percent custom. Um, and so I took the front end with the, the Ram air hood idea from the second car. Um, and just a lot of the other stuff from the other cars, like the stripes, they go completely over the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was done in the third movie, but they were offset wider to the body and they were more of a, a carbon fiber look to them. Oh, um, okay. I liked the classic GM rally stripes that they have that like the, the, uh, the first movie car did. Uh, but I just went ahead and extended the idea of going over the whole body of the car uh, to what I was doing, but had them closer in. Um, that's just something that was pretty unique, and I didn't see it on other Camaros um, until some years later. Interesting. That's that's really cool. I uh, you know when when you said it was 100% custom, I guess it wasn't until you described it that it really clicked with me. It's like, oh, it's got that level of customization to it. That that's very very oh, yeah. cool. And, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's a, it, it, it's, it's magnificent. It is, it is a handsome car. I I did as much work of it as on my, uh, as I could on my, you know, on my own or with friends. Um, it has completely customized, uh, suspension, Mm -hmm. um, aftermarket suspension, uh, with coilovers. So it hugs the road and rides real well. Uh, it's got full on, uh, full tube, uh, full long tube headers, high flow catalytic converters and, uh, uh, an exhaust from a company called Borla. And it's nice because it's kind of mellow when I want it to be, but when I step on it, it is, it's loud and it gets people's attention (laughs) (laughs) and it, it sounds aggressive and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, all the paint that's done on the interior of the car, plus the interior of the engine bay, I did myself. 
Okay, because so, yeah, I I was I was going to ask you about that next because uh, uh, some of the photos that you sent me uh, from from a recent uh, uh, car show you were at, I'm I'm looking at you know the the open hood and seeing all of the intricate yellow paint in the in the interior, and it's just like that's that's a lot of paintwork. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm constantly adding to it too. I got a bazillion and one of projects and parts for projects that I still am doing to it. Um, I think one of my next big projects is I'm going to put like a vertical, like Lambo doors on there. Uh, because when Bumblebee's transforming, like the first thing that happens is he pops open his doors and they come up in his, in, in his wings. Right. So That's when right. He's fully yeah. In his robot mode, he has his, his back, the, the doors come like his bumblebee wing. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that happens when he transforms. And then the last thing that happens when he goes into car mode is his wing, is, is the, the doors come out, come down Lambo style, and then they close in. So I paid attention to that. I'm like going, I wouldn't normally put Lambo doors on a Camaro, but right. that one I will. Interesting. That's, I, I appreciate the attention to detail. That's, that's really, really cool. Well, thanks. Appreciate that. I, I I do fun things like I try to like I hide Autobot logos everywhere on the car, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But I don't want to have it like really gaudy. But there's probably a good thirty Autobot logos somewhere on the car. Somewhere wow. you'll look and you'll just see one. And That's... I'll hide them in different places. And um, yeah, there's there's uh, all, all the. Uh, uh, different projects i've still got going on in my head with it i you know plan to do more interior with uh reupholstering the seats because they're uh-huh. kind of getting worn after hundred thousand miles so right. i want to get those reupholstered you know like to get a uh, one of the things that i want to do um with regards to like the sound system is i noticed something with the with the kids especially the younger kids is they'll t- they, they you know a lot of them don't quite understand that there's a difference between movie and reality yet. So they come up and they ask me a lot if, if Bumblebee talks or if, um, you know, if he transforms or why he's not transforming right now. And it's, it's pretty cute. But what I eventually want to do is uh, have like a, a soundboard on my phone, mm-hmm. uh, something that has like a bunch of the clips, like in changing channels through the stereo, like he, uh, like he did when he was talking in the movie. Yep. And I want to be able to somehow feed that through my stereo system into a, a speaker underneath the hood so that from afar I could kind of carry out like a rudimentary conversation with a kid and it would just get them, give them the biggest thrill. That would be really cool. I mean, you, you could probably do something just uh, Bluetooth styly, you know, between your phone and and uh, and a car stereo system. Um, exactly, yeah. God, uh, that would the be one so thing cool. I do want to tie into that is have some like LED lighting on like a uh, the halos on the, 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 the headlights and, and maybe behind the grill and have that tied into like a, a sound controller where it kind of flickers in time with the sound as it, as the, uh, as the speaker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, says whatever it says. So it gives the appearance that he's talking. Yeah. I, I I'm just imagining that and I'm just kind of getting like some shivery chills that, that just seems really <laughs> cool. That seems really cool. Yeah. Uh, what, it's cool to have some like sound effects too, you know, the transformer noise and uh, that sort of sound too. Mm-hmm. 
Because uh, you notice the helmet that's underneath there, underneath the hood, right? That is actually what I was going to ask you about next, is kind of like how you display <laughs> it when when you take Bumblebee out to uh, uh, various car shows. And, and obviously uh, coming up uh, this weekend at uh, Cybefest, uh, and that will be happening uh, Saturday the uh, the 27th uh, at the Kent Commons mm-hmm. Community Center. Uh, go to CybefestNW.com. <laughs> I almost said .org, but I know that's wrong. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, come on out and see uh, see Scott and see Bumblebee, and and I'm sure you'll have it uh, you'll have it on on display for uh, for a time for folks to see, right? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to work out whether um, you know, because normally at a car show or something, and then I'm there in attendance. You know, I have the hood up, I'll have the Bumblebee helmet there, and I'll have these, my show board. And um, but you know, I'd like to go attend Sidefest inside. Too. Right, right, also, exactly. <laughs> you know, don't necessarily want to um, uh, be cooked if it's hot out that weekend. So, uh, Jason and I are working on maybe, maybe a window of time, either in, also in the morning and then maybe again in the afternoon when I could be outside with the car, uh, have the windows rolled down so that people can take a look inside, uh, have the hood up, ask any or a- answer any questions that people might have about the car um, or about fandom in general um so you know because i'm i'm just the biggest transformers fan just like anybody right yeah 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 and that and that's and that's rad because i i think i think scott you you might be the first uh uh fan i've come across that is much of a car guy as they are a Transformers guy. It's like, I, I, I don't often see that kind of crossover involved. And I think that's really cool. Cause I mean, you're obviously very passionate about, you know, Camaros and, and cars and, but, but it's also cool to hear that, that you're a huge fan like the rest of us too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am working on my own masterpiece collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, masterpiece third party is what I've decided to really concentrate on. Um, so, you know, it's, kind of sometimes slow going because they're not exactly the most affordable right. at times, but, um, you know, I've done pretty good with, uh, at least I forgot, uh, you know, the whole season one cast in, in a representation of a, a masterpiece style, uh, level. And then most of the movie one, uh, the 86 movie, most of season, uh, season two. Um, but you know, they come out with a lot of the combiner, uh, you know, like, um, you know, fans toys and VX nine and XDB are all doing the combiner wars on their own right now, which is really great. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the next projects that I, I, you know, next things I want to acquire for my own collection, but yeah, I'm as much as a transformers fan, um, as I am, you know, like I said, Camaro cars and, you know, I'm able to blend both of them together and I actually have lots of friends that are in kind of both wheelhouses, which is, you know, really great. It's, uh, it's been very fortunate that I've been able to do that and have been able to blend both of those even to do some charity work that I've been passionate about. Like oh. I, one time I organized a trip up to almost Canada, um, Blaine area. Oh yeah. And there was, um, it was kind of one of those, uh, kind of community ask type, you know, recommendation. And someone in there asked about, uh, you know, if anybody knew any like Hot Wheels, Camaros, or, you know, just cool cars that could come up, you know, her son was really into like, you know, Transformers and Hot Wheels and all this stuff. And I'm like going, we got you covered. And <laughs> I organized a trip of uh, myself with 
Bumblebee, um, a couple of friends ahead of uh, a Hot Wheels version Camaro, and then, I don't know, there was about seven of us. We all trucked up there um, and gave this kid uh, just, you know, lots of Hot Wheels. We gave him some Transformers. You know, his friends were all there, and he, he was just he just was in heaven. I even gave him a ride in, uh, in, in Bumblebee and did some donuts in the parking lot, and <laughs> he was just thrilled. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I, I love hearing that. That's a... Uh... That that's a really cool story. Um, so I, you know, I I, I kind of dragged us off topic, and I apologize for that. I uh, we 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 were going to talk about the helmet. Um, oh, the helmet, yeah. Fifteen best fifteen dollars I spent on the car so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I literally found it on Craigslist um, and called up the the lady who was who was selling it, and it was you know toy that she's getting rid of out of her son's collection they didn't play no play with no more and i'm like say no more i'll come and pick it up and the funny thing was when i picked it up she was like okay so what car are you driving i'm like bumblebee and she's like what do you mean <laughs> like you'll you'll you won't miss me trust me yeah <laughs> so here i am driving up to uh this this you know basically a stranger off a of craigslist to tell me this uh bumblebee helmet i'm driving bumblebee to pick it up Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny i i guess in my imagination i can i can hear the uh the same music as uh as the tunnel scene from from that first movie where where oh, where yeah. reformatted bumblebee comes up it's almost like that that kill bill theme is it's yeah anyway yeah. i just it just in my imagination that's <laughs> that's what i'm hearing you you know you rolling up to this uh <laughs> this random craigslist person to get the get the helmet <laughs> So so yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. So so and then the, I uh, I took the helmet and I actually uh, I I repainted it myself. Um, it was, like I said, I used to do paint models and stuff mm-hmm. like that, so I made it a little bit more metallic looking. And um, yeah, so it's been and I've stuck it on my engine ever since. And there might have been a couple times where I've actually worn worn it while driving it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. that- <laughs> that that is so cool. Um, so you know, and and you know, talking about how you uh, display the uh, the car at these car shows, I I just happened to be looking at one of the photos, and on uh, one of the one of the sides there, it I, I see a, a date and some scribbling. Is that is that a is that a oh, yeah. signature autograph of some kind? That is actually a signature. Uh from a gentleman whose name is Scott Settlemeyer, and he was the Camaro brand manager, and I think he was had a uh, hand in the development of the fourth-gen Camaro. Oh. Um, in fact, the uh, the nice, pretty green kind of Mountain Dew can kind of green that came out with the fifth-gen Camaros, mm-hmm. he was actually responsible for that color. That was like his choice. He really liked that color, and so he, he, made, he was able to pull it. But he was actually a, a vice president um, of General Motors. And uh, one of the things that uh, one of the Camaro events that happen yearly is out in Sturgis, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a Camaro rally out there where uh, hundreds of Camaros come and get to tour the Badlands, the South Dakota Black Hills and go to Mount Rushmore and uh, uh, Devil's Tower. And they have uh, a several day festival ending with this huge car show. Um, and, the year that I got him to sign there, they were they were actually had the prototypes for the next year Camaro there showing off too. So I got to meet the gentleman. He was able to sign my my shock tower in a, in a in the 
the Camaro community, that was kind of like a rite of passage is to have Scott Settlemeyer sign your shock tower. Um, but, um, actually would still, there's still room for some, some signatures. Um, I would like to get Mark Ryan's signature, um, who voiced, uh, Bumblebee in the first movie. And also he has voiced, uh, lockdown and jet fire in the movie franchises and, uh, used to be, uh, uh, start on black, uh, um, was it, uh, uh, Stars Black Sails? Was it Stars or AMC? Oh yeah, yeah, the the, the pirate, pirate show. Sales. Yeah, right. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, I'm actually a kind of a Facebook friend of his. Um, nice. Talk to him every once in a while, but uh, so that's the other kind of cool thing is I've gotten to meet other Bumblebee owners throughout the United States and the world, um, and so uh, one of my friends in common happens to know him as well and they like live in he lives he lives in los angeles as well as she does and so they actually like have met in comic cons and have beers with him so maybe one of these times next time if he's ever up in uh seattle area i'll have him shine the, sign the other shock tower absolutely i i think that would be a great way to frame it because you you've got the the gmc chevy uh representation and then that would give you uh Transformers fandom representation. I think I, I think oh, yeah. they I think they would bookend really nicely on the shock towers like that. Yeah, I really like that. You know, it's it's um, you know, and I hope it happens sometime. I've been I've been asking them if uh, you know when when they need to come up here to one of the comic cons, and they were like, "Well, he's he's willing." So maybe one of these years he'll maybe come up to SummerCon next year because um, Optimus Prime was there last year, right? I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's that's actually how I got started doing Comic Cons. Was uh, the the organizer for uh, Summer Con, uh, you know, had relayed the news that the uh, the Optimus Prime and Galvatron and Onslaught trucks that were used in uh, uh, Age of Extinction were actually going to be there. And I had messaged him over Facebook. I'm like, hey, if I come down there, by you know, around the end of the, the the con, would it be possible if I could get my car's picture taken with Optimus Prime? Because I actually have built my own Bumblebee, and here's pictures of that. And he messaged me back, and he's like, well, "How would you like to do one better? How would you like to be in the show with <laughs> Optimus Prime?" I'm like, "That's cool. Can I go get my car's picture taken with him?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like I still have my goal. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm still there. So that was my first. Uh, uh, first Comic Con, and I really enjoyed it. And through that, I met some other people there. Who uh, one of the artists, actually Ben Hansen, yeah. um, who's a really good uh, artist that does a lot of different comic book stuff, and also a huge Transformers fan. Yeah, um, he's going to be at Sidefest Northwest as well. And yep. for those who are listening, come out and see him. He's great to talk to. He's really talented, um, and he's you know very passionate about Transformers. Uh, and and geekery in general, and really good artist. Absolutely, and and Scott, I got to compliment you. You you did my job for me. I was gonna, I was waiting for an end to be like, oh yeah, and Ben's gonna be at uh, at Sidefest Northwest also again happening uh, uh, this Saturday, July twenty seventh at uh, Kent Comets Community Center. But you did all that for me, and yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting because like I was I was a fan of Ben's art before I knew how much he was into Transformers. Like you know, he does a oh, lot wow. of he does. 
does a lot of superhero stuff. Uh, you know, it's like his uh, his booth at Emerald City Comic Con is a is a is a staple feature. You know, shook the dude's hand a number of times. You know, bought prints, had him autograph some stuff. And yeah, it wasn't until like last year that you know, like I when I, when I saw him at SciFest, I'm like, oh my god! And you know, saw like all of his Transformers stuff, stuff that he doesn't bring to. Uh, you know, like some of the larger uh, general fan conventions. It's like I, it, it, it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, there's like this whole other aspect of this dude's art that I had no idea about. And now he's doing like official art for, uh, for the trading card game. And so, yeah, he I mean, did, yeah. so yeah, I mean, so dude's got like, you know, legit uh, Transformers cred at this point. And, and, and like you said, I mean, he's a really cool dude, a uh, great artist. And yeah, definitely come down and see him when uh when you come down to uh Sidefest on saturday um so scott i was i was gonna ask you i i think i got i think i got sidetracked a little bit but um what i i, I guess i and i've we we kind of talked about this a little bit on uh on facebook already but what is it that you think about transformers fandom specifically that makes it such a cool place for folks like you and I to to hang out because I I haven't had this specific uh experience in other fandoms. You know, it's like there's there's a lot of gatekeeping going on and folks get really clicky and and not that that's not the case in Transformers fandom um as well, but I've just I've just found it to be like one of the the most warmest and welcoming fandoms that uh, that folks can be a part of and I was just looking to see if I could pick your brain about what is it about about Transformers that that makes it that way do you think you know I I really wish that I I could really you know I could only speak from my own experience so um and you know owning Bumblebee has given me kind of a unique perspective on the fandom both young and old and I think it's just it's, it's one of those things that, A, you know, you got the good guys, bad guys, that whole, you know, the underdog um, in a desperate struggle to to usually save the planet or save their race or mm-hmm. just, ha- you know, having these robot protectors. Um, now, when I was a kid watching cartoons and playing with Transformers especially, when I played with Transformers as a kid, what was going on in my mind was live-action movies. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you make the sound and have a big old imagination and, you know, you have these epic battles with your friends and stuff like that. And, you know, it's spanned now, what, 35 years um, to where, you know, it encompasses so many generations of fans that there's something for everybody. There's something that attracts, uh, you know, kids of all ages. And that's one thing I noticed that. You know, with with fan with with younger generations now, I don't think a lot of people realize. You know that. You know the Michael Bay movies may get they, they kind of get a little maybe a um, little down talk from the really hardcore like V one is my there's no nothing else and and sure. Bumblebee was always a V dub bug and technically not really because he was other things besides that but um, you know. I understand you grew up with a certain thing and it's hard to change. But then again, this is a whole fandom about things changing. Ah, that's a great point. So you got to be relaxed. Now, you know, they're they're, You're always going to have your favorite, 
generation, whether it be Beast Wars or Mata, the trilogy, or or the Bayverse, or Transformers Prime. But I've noticed mm-hmm. it's it's whatever you enter the Transformers uh, um, genre in, that's your G one, and that's what's always going to stick with you. You know, they've got the yeah. people who who got in when Beast Wars was hot. Now, I yeah, I can take or leave Beast Wars. You know, myself, they were kind sure. of. Not so much, you know, the greatest, but um, the, the, the kids that were kids back then that got into Beast Wars, man, that is their G one. That was that that was the first, their first bite mm-hmm. of, uh, of of Transformer fandom, and then they spread out from there. And but they will always have that as their big piece of nostalgia, you know. For myself and probably guys like you and you, know, you and me, and mm-hmm. around the age when we grew up in the eighties, it was G one, right? Sure, you sure. Know, that, that was that was our thing. It's like, oh my gosh, it's the greatest thing ever. There's a whole generation of kids where Michael Bay, those movies, that's their G1. Yeah. Bumblebee is their hero. Optimus Prime is their hero. And I've been really fortunate to be able to uh, know it. I have an impact on, you know, a lot of people just inspiring and say, hey, look at this guy. He's, you know, here's this adult. He's got grain in his beard. But he's got Transformer tattoos, and he's wearing a Transformer shirt, and he owns an actual Transformer. I can do that. I can grow up to be that. Exactly. And there's been a lot of kids who, who've opened up that are really shy. You normally shy kids. Their parents have told me, he's like, he, he doesn't talk to anybody. You know, he's really shy about this. But you connect with somebody on a level of, like, their, 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 their passion. Mm-hmm. And I've had a kid tell me about his 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 gem and his collection was the original VHS tapes of trans of the G one transformers. And he was like 10. That was his, his big thing. Uh, there's another boy, um, who I met last year mm-hmm. who is autistic like me. So we were able to connect there, but he's mm-hmm. the biggest Bumblebee fan ever. And not only do I, did I meet him, but then I made friends with his parents, um, who probably will also be there at side fest too. Just, just great people. And his older brother and, you know, later on uh, last year, I, I attended his birthday party because he wanted to have me out, and just you know, it's 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 like it's um, it's like the fandom. It's like ignores age lines, and and it's it's like you said, it's all encompassing, all yeah. welcoming. Um, you get into it, and you know, I may be a G one you know person at heart, but you know, I I love Bayverse. I I have an appreciation for all the different genres and mm-hmm. all the different series uh, for what they do and the comic books as well. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and one of the things that, that, I've found in kind of like my journey through this fandom uh, sounds way more pretentious than, than, than I mean it, but, but I have found that there is something for everybody and, different things resonate with different people in different ways. You know, so a lot, a lot of folks, you know, like the, the, uh, progressive nature of the storytelling in the more recent IDW comic books has been really clicking with a lot of folks in a big, bad way. Um, in in a way that, you know, we just didn't have that kind of storytelling when I, when, when I was younger, it's like, and, you know, just, uh, you know, so much, uh, diversity and inclusion and, and, you know, uh, again, progressive storytelling, it's just, it's so cool. And I, I, I love how you framed it earlier, Scott, where it's just like, well, it's a fiction, 
about things that change. So, and it's, I, I, for some reason, I just hadn't quite thought about it that way before, but you're absolutely right. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's just really cool. And, and again, it's, it's just, it's, it's a really cool, really fun fandom to be a part of. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I mean, we basically have very similar storylines, whether, you know, it'd be G1 or, or Mm -hmm. whatever. And, And, you know, a lot of which is, you know, they're defending their, you know, Basically, uh, alien refugees from a you know from Cybertron, yeah. and they're they're cast on Earth, and you know the Decepticons come down to try to steal resources, and Earth's last defense is the Autobots, and this is epic struggle. It's, it's kind of a very similar theme all throughout all the different series, just a different way to telling it. Yeah, and so yeah, it is a dynamic story, and now we see a lot of a lot more inclusion. And one of the things that I am so I'm actually really happy to see is the representation of female fans that are out there. Absolutely. Um, like Liz, uh, she's a great example of that where, you know, she's, you know, she's very passionate mm-hmm. about uh, Transformers. She likes to cosplay her favorite characters. And even in the newer generations of toys, we're starting to see like uh, fembots like um, Alita one and, RC, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, Greenlight. Some of the other ones that were maybe a more obscure in G1, but they're, you know, they're really attracting that and starting to bring out, like, Victorian. I'm a yeah. complete female force that's a, a badass combiner, and mm-hmm. it shows that, that really, yeah, doesn't matter, male or female, girls can kick ass, too, and they can have really great character, you know, development and writing and representation to actually, you know you know, kind of empowers, like, hey, girls can be cool, too. I mean, it was kind of hard to, you know, when when we were younger, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't really see a whole lot of girls that were really into this. But now it's really great that, hey, the geeks inherited Earth, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, geek has become, you know, mainstream, and there is something for everybody. And I'm really happy that, that it is such a, uh, you know, embrace so well. And, and to that level... We're seeing a lot of that in, you know, other comic, uh, other, you know, fan geekery stuff. Uh, Star Wars, uh, Marvel, DC, they all have really strong female protagonists now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's, 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 you know, uh, again, world's changing for the better. And I I think that just having more inclusive uh, fandom is welcoming more friends. I mean, that, that helps the whole hobby. That helps the whole genre you know absolutely because i mean the 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 fact of the matter is that us crusty old g1ers you know we're we're not going to be around forever and you know so it's it's cool that there are custodians of this fandom that aren't us you know that that it will continue and they'll be passionate and they'll be passionate about different stuff and it's yeah it it's really cool to uh see the fandom grow along with society and it's like you don't you don't see a lot of that cuz like i mean i i don't i don't know much about a lot of other fandoms of you know similar 80s properties but i i would imagine that say like the he-man fandom or the thundercats fandom or or whatever you know if it's got 
the same longevity that that Transformers does. I mean, I mean, shoot, I mean, even GI Joe, you know, a beloved kind of kind of sister property to Transformers is kind of kind of in franchise jail. You know, it's kind of kind of like yeah. in this weird limbo to where sure there there's a couple IDW comics, but there's no mainline toys, no real mainstream supporting fiction for it. And yeah, it's just kind of chilling on the shelf. Whereas, whereas Transformers is is vibrant and alive. It's great. Yeah, you know, and and, and you know what? Sorry for the G one badass Pierce, but they really do have you know Chevrolet GM and Michael Bay to thank for that. Because before yeah. the Transformers live action movie came out, the you know the 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 toy lines and everything they were just as dead as as. You know, anything else, really. I mean, there's yeah. some some release, but mainly it was a comic book. You know, mm-hmm. there was no uh, real cartoons since, you know, there was no cartoons at that time. Um, but look at all the changes after those movies got released. They were just big blockbusters. But now we have how many different, you have Transformers Prime, you have Rescue Bots, you have mm-hmm. uh, Transformers Cyberverse, all these different cartoon uh, genres. And you have so many at the same time. It's like you have rescue bots for the younger kids playing at the same time as transformers prime for the older teens and adults that appreciate that and mm-hmm. on top of that idw is, is going strong uh you have you know transformers toy lines renewing every single year and and like um even you know other things of getting like like for instance the metal earth uh picking up on that yeah uh, yep was able to hit that at a real good time. And uh, we'll talk, probably talk about that in a few minutes. Yep. But um, like you said, Transformers have never been more alive and sorry, but they weren't this alive back in 84. There's just, it's just exploded. And it's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, just, just look at the sheer amount of announcements of new product that was announced at San Diego Comic-Con just this last weekend. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, even, the 1984-85 line, you know, didn't quite get to like this level of, you know, popularity and explosion. And, and, and I, I reluctantly agree with you, Scott, because it's, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, us G1ers don't want to necessarily face, but you're absolutely right. You know, we might not like the Michael Bay movies uh, specifically, but, you cannot deny the influence and just the the influx mm-hmm. of just sheer cash. Again, whether we like these movies or not, they make money and they made a lot of money. And to the point where, like, my mom knows who Bumblebee is, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So it's yeah. it's, you know, really was a watershed for brand recognition. You know, and and I think it's cool that, you know, like the same folks that go to like the Marvel movies and know who this canon of characters is now has that same level of fluency and awareness with Transformers. I I like that that, you know, non fans know who Optimus Prime is, know who Bumblebee is. And I, I, I think that's cool. And I think, you know, that's that's a great legacy for that run of live action movies because yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, we don't get to today without 
that 2007 movie being such the smash hit that it was. And a lot of it was due to, you know, the the iconic vehicles. You know, it, it really was. I mean, that Camaro Bumblebee, the, you know, the, the specific truck for Optimus Prime. And, you know, a lot of those... Mm-hmm those uh designs which again us crustos like to like to occasionally crap on but but again the the influence across the larger brand is undeniable that's true and, and yeah and it's okay not to like you know not have bayformers be your favorite and that sort of yeah, thing you know yeah. but you know let's not try let's not try to crap on other fans for liking what they like because at the end of the day these Daboon in, in in recognition really has benefited every fan of you know the uh the transformers i mean look at all the re-releases of the g1 stuff that would not have happened right all the redesigns of of from you know combiner wars to siege of cybertron mm-hmm. to uh, the video games the war for cybertron those were great games all of this would not have happened with it if it didn't take off like it did or at least not, it would have happened as quickly and as abundantly as it did. Right. And, you know, from the from even on the GM side of the house, they pretty much bet the farm on on this being a big hit because mm-hmm. they had invested a lot of money in bringing the Camaro back. But not only that, but a lot of the other cars. And they have experienced a, a, a pretty nice boom in, in their redesigns of their uh automobiles since then as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you remember back in 2008 when um the big three automakers kind of had to you know ask for for some some help there yeah um you know it was kind of wondering if they were if they were going to be if they were going to continue to struggle but you know gm has got a really good uh recognition now and um roadmap from from doing that so Again, both my wheelhouses, being a car guy and being a transformer guy, both benefited here. Yeah, well, you know, and, and and let me ask you this: This is kind of like off the cuff, and you know, bef- before we switch gears and and talk about uh, Metal Earth, because I I know there's some really cool stories there that I want to hear about as well. But with with the latest live action Bumblebee movie being uh, being the success it was, and it seems to be that's kind of the direction they're going with that with that being kind of like that soft reboot uh, type thing. And what what do you think that means for the future of how intertwined the uh, uh, the GM side and then the movie side being? Do you think that's something that's going to continue or what What do you think the future might hold for the for the live action designs? Well, I think, um, you know, certainly the the live action movies has has brought forth um, a lot of intellectual property licenses, such as, uh, you know, within the Masterpiece line, when um, we now have licensed Vita Bug of Bumblebee. Um, you know, GM has given their license for Ironhide and, and excuse me, Ratchet. So I think we'll still see a lot more vehicles that are owned owned, you know, by GM, a lot of brands. But I think it's the the success has also attracted, you know, things like other cars like uh Porsche, Audi, V dub. Uh so maybe that might mean that Porsche, as restrictive as they usually are in their licensing, maybe we'll end up getting an actual masterpiece jazz. That would be great. Um, and again, those things are, are, are coming on the uh, 
the what the cuffs, the the shirt, the, the coattails of these movies. I think the the new new Bumblebee movie going back and retro. I think it was so well written um, that you didn't even need to be a Transformers fan to be appreciative of this movie. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of like you know, it was it was really well written. It was pretty gripping um, as far as you know. You felt the energy. You felt like you know this is kind of a, the, the whole the, just how desperate the the war for Cybertron is and how desperate they are to, you know, um, to find the new home and to, you know, how bad that war in the, in the universe, uh, the universe of, of Transformers, how bad that war really was. You got to see it, yeah. how ravaging it was. So um, I think Travis Knight did a great job and I'm really looking forward to, you know, the next, you know, movie, but it's going to be interesting since, you know, we'll say Bumblebee t- uh, transformed into the Camaro at the end of, uh, end of the Bumblebee movie, and then riding off with, you know, what we can only assume looks like Optimus Prime, or, mm-hmm. you know, not quite sure whether or not that was Optimus Prime, but it'd be interesting to see how they tie that in, is if it's a, really is a reboot, or if it's actually part of the the, the Bayformers uh, movie franchise. How is it, it going to tie in, in the next one? Yeah, and, and you know, me personally, I, I kind of like the take it or leave it approach to whether it's a prequel or a reboot because it works as both and a thing that a a lot of folks kind of forget sometimes is one of the hallmarks of those live action movies is that the continuity even within those those four or five movies makes no sense I mean, it's it's like the continuity is constantly contradicting itself. So, you know, this could be a prequel that lines up if you squint hard enough or it could right. it could be a complete reboot if you look at it from that angle. I, I feel like it kind of works both ways. But I, I I agree with you, Scott, in that I think that whatever the sequel to Bumblebee is, is really that's where the flag is going to be planted, where it's like, okay, this is what we're doing going forward. You know, it's like, are, are we working towards trying to realign with, uh, with Transformers 2007, or are we kind of blazing our own path? I, I kind of, and, and it's apples and oranges, but I almost interpret it as kind of like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Where it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, it's like there there are certain or maybe even like a Doctor Who type thing where they're like fixed points in time. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a fixed time event. It's like um, so. So it'd be it, it would be interesting to see uh, what they what they do narratively with that going forward. But, yeah, I, I think that's great insight. I think. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't continue to see, uh, you know, like these licensed vehicles. And and quite frankly, I hadn't even thought of that. Um, it hadn't even occurred to me that that's why we haven't gotten a Masterpiece Jazz yet. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Porsche is very, yeah, very. Uh, uh, well, and Volkswagen was, you know, I mean, obviously they're the same company. But, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's very well, I mean, interesting. Volkswagen didn't, sorry, uh, it was just a Volkswagen really didn't. From from what I've read, they really weren't interested in being part of that first movie um, because they wanted to. They didn't want to have their toys be associated with a warlike, uh, you know, with with war and stuff. Which, yep. if you study the history of Volkswagen, you can kind of understand why they want to shy away from that kind of thing. Sure, um, <laughs> you're not wrong. Started and, you know, so um, but it's nice to that. They realize just what 
they could see what just what these movies mean to kids and and as a company what it means to well their their influx of cash their bottom line is is you know it's a good thing to to have have your uh your license uh beyond that um and you you spoke a little bit about also the uh going back to Bumblebee movie and being uh the continuity is not lining up on on the movies and stuff, but you know, I think a lot of people we got we, we got to realize back we got to rewatch the G one and, and ask ourselves: oh. Are we really mad about continuity issues here? Are we really mad that you know of of some of the cheesiness of, of some of the things? I mean, are we really right? <laughs> or are we just kind of kidding ourselves a little bit here? Um, yeah, you know, let's let's face it. I mean, none of them are going to win Oscars for acting, but it's 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 entertaining. It's two hours of watching, you know, your childhood heroes duke it out on screen. It's it's two hours of of, of giant robots beating on each other, transforming <laughs> into cool cars yeah. and, and and lasers and and explosions. Well, let's say let, well because it's Michael Bay. Let's say lots of explosions. <laughs> um, you know, everything's going to explode. So, yeah. um, I mean, really, what, what are you there for? You're there to be entertained. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's that's a really good place to uh, uh, to leave that, Scott, as uh, as we are uh, uh, chatting with Scott Hanline. He is going to be at Cybefest Northwest. That's this Saturday, uh, the 27th, uh, CybefestNW.com. Um, he's going to have his uh, Bumblebee car out there. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great fun, a great hang. Uh, but, uh, but before, uh, before I let you go, uh, there, there was, uh, something that you, uh, put on my radar when we were corresponding on Facebook and you were just like, Oh, by the way, you know, super casually, it's like, uh, you know, you, you were, uh, hugely instrumental in bringing those, uh, metal earth transformers, uh, those, uh, those kind of snap together metal model kits, um, yeah. uh, to the market. So, um, I, I was wondering if you could tell us a story about that okay yeah i'd love to so uh the company that makes those those metal models are actually it's based right here in des moines washington uh it's a company called fascinations incorporated uh and my wife works for them so i kind of had an in she is the uh uh sales administrator and, and office managers it's actually a fairly small company maybe 15 people that's, that's doing that and you know they used to make like um, gel ant farms and different scientific toys and that sort of thing. And at a, um, like a toy convention where, where, uh, you know, the, the different, you know, vendors are trying to show off their wares. There was a vendor there that was had these little metal models. And at the time they were, I think they were like built a couple of buildings and, but the, the president of the company, uh, Bill Hones, uh, saw the potential in not only this, but bringing that with, you know, making more than just building. Mm -hmm. So they started out with like, they got, um, they did start with buildings and then they had like different vehicles, like the the Mustang, P-51 Mustang uh, airplane and tanks and stuff. And their first intellectual property licensing that they got, that they attracted was Star Wars. And, they made four different models from Star Wars. I think uh, Millennium Falcon, X-Wing, 
uh, forget the other two. I think it was a Tie Fighter as well, and a uh, and a Star Destroyer, I believe. Star Destroyer, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they took off like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, every geek wanted one, right? So then they came out with four more different of those, and then they started attracting other property. Like Marvel wanted to do stuff with them. Um, you know, they have like stuff from like Caterpillar, which uh, you know, of course, they make uh, construction, big mm-hmm. huge construction vehicle equipment and stuff. Uh, so they just started attracting these different licenses. And, and I told my wife, because uh, at the time, being in a shoe sale, she was going to the New York Toy Fair every year. And so she was going there as a vendor of uh, representation of this company. And, of course, that's where you shake hands with people like um, Hasbro and marketing manager for um, Mattel and, and yeah. you know, all these people. Um, and I told her, you know, if, if you ever run into an opportunity to – Shake hands with, with Hasbro. I go, you might want to drop an idea about them doing G1 Transformers because, uh, you know, the, the Michael Bay movie might be a little bit too complicated for that medium. Um, just the, 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 the type of, like, I couldn't imagine trying to put Megatron together. That would be really difficult to do. Yeah, but and, go, and very spiky. So, <laughs> right. Uh, so G1 is so perfect because they're, they're essentially blocks. They're, they're still you know, robotic. There's a lot of, you know, characters. In them. I go, and I go, if you, if you get a hold of them, drop them that idea. Well, 2014, lo and behold, uh, New York Toy Fair, uh, it just so happened that the, the marketing president for, for Hasbro walked into uh, my wife's vendor booth there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife's name is Rachel. And, uh, you know, he, he said he was a big fan already. He had all those Star Wars figures all the Star Wars models, and he had some of the other ones. He, he was a big fan of the media, um, the medium, the, the the models. And mm-hmm. at first they were thinking about possibly doing G.I. Joe. Really? And, uh, you know, she hit him up about poss- you know, doing the Transformers thing, and they, they decided that they were going to do that. Um, uh, they were gonna, they wanted to talk more about that. They were interested in that. So, you know, different meetings got set up, and I was kind of working behind the scenes. They wanted me to consult because I was – well, I was the I was the uh, Transformers expert, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, sure, I'd be happy to help design and everything. And so the the choice of the figures that did four different characters was actually mine to make. Um, and of course, I had to have um, Megatron and Optimus Prime. You got to mm-hmm. have those two. And of course, Bumblebee was my pick. Yeah, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's why it's there because I picked them. <laughs> um, and then my other, one of my other favorite Decepticons was Soundwave, and it was a choice between Soundwave or Starscream. Um, I really thought that, that Soundwave would make it a, a good, um, uh, a good uh, first kind of model, and then maybe yeah. we can get something comp- a little bit more complicated like Starscream. Um, and I thought, the, you know, where do we go with the design on how we how to do this? And and they uh, actually have a factory over in Vietnam where they have a lot of their production there. Oh. And they needed some samples to send over there so that the designers can look at them and figure out, you know, how to miniaturize the designs and, and what was going to happen. They'd come out, they would, they would, they would produce prototypes and send over back over to Washington. And then I would get, I would get them and look them over and, Say, well, no, we need to change this little feature here. Or we need to change this. And so what I actually used for that was uh, Optimus Prime is based on MP10, um, Masterpiece uh, 
uh, Optimus Prime. Yep. Um, Sound Wizard was based on MP13, the, the Toys R Us slash Takara version. Uh, Megatron was at first based on MP5 because we didn't have Masterpiece MB36 yet. Right, right. And the the first thing, the uh, Bumblebee, all we had was uh, actually uh, was third party was um, based it off of um, Art Feather Bumblebee, which is kind of a reshell of uh, Classics Bumblebee. But it was in they reshelled the Suzuki Swift into a Vita Bug. So that's all we really had. We knew that at that point we knew that MP21 was coming out. We had some some pictures, but we didn't actually have the product in hand. So we sent them these things. They sent some um, prototypes back. Uh, I, I showed you a picture of one of them was yeah. uh, apparently in transit the, the 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 cannon that Soundwave holds in his hand, which transforms into a battery pack. They didn't know it was a cannon. They thought it was a baseball bat or something. So. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, yeah in, in this picture, he's he's holding it like like uh, – yeah, like a baseball bat, but it looks like just like a fat club, you know, like you know, like like a foam baseball bat that that you would get a little kid, so he doesn't like you know bash himself in. It it, look, it looks pretty funny being held that way. It, it is, but I thought they did a wonderful job of uh, laser beak on his arm. I mean, the the way that it was sits, it was I was like, wow, that was really good that they were able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, Megatron's legs were very, very skinny because and disproportionate because, well, MP5s. Megatron's legs are very, very skinny and disproportionate. So, you know, I helped with the design with going, well, we need to have, say, Megatron's legs a little bit wider. Uh, Bumblebee was a unique challenge because of, you know, the, uh, we almost basically scrapped most of what the Art Feather Bumblebee kind of looked like, because by that time we started getting some really good photos of MP21, mm-hmm. I was able to send over and say, hey, we really need to make it look like this. And so they were able to design it based off of photos off of uh, MP21. Um, and during which time, you know, once they had some of these prototypes, they also, like, they, they, uh, they, they were, during this whole time, there were talks with Hasbro licensing, of course, and letting them know what was going on. Uh, they liked the, the, they, they, they proposed what, excuse me, they proposed what characters that I chose. They, they were happy with that decision. Um, it's kind of funny during which one of of the meetings, um, you know, my wife actually had mentioned that I have, uh, Bumblebee Camaro and sent him pictures and everything and Hasbro marketing thought it was really cool. And I, I haven't got a cease and desist or got sued before that. So, uh, it's okay. (laughs) <laughs> Knock on wood. Well, Knock on wood, yeah. No, that's definitely cool. But that's that's kind of how they came about, and I helped with the uh, product packaging, the pictures and uh, what art, art to start using. I, I was looking at that, and then, you know, they got the okay. Uh, a lot of the art came from Hasbro themselves, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's that's how it all came about, and they, they, they sent it out. And so um, that's how I was up behind it. That's really really cool. I mean, I, a couple things there. One, I uh, I had no idea that uh, that Fascinations was a, lo- a local company, um, mm-hmm. because like I I've seen you know I, I I've seen the Middle Earth uh, stuff pretty much anywhere I go. You know, I mean, like you know, like in in tourist places and things like that. I uh, I I have that Soundwave actually, and I I love him. He was he was really cool to put together, but I picked him up in 
oh, I, I don't know, maybe uh, Seaside, Oregon, or uh, somewhere somewhere like that, where it was just like, yeah, it was like a to- total uh, uh, tourist town. I was just like, ooh, Transformers, these are pretty cool. And I, uh, yeah. um, you know, and I've got the uh, some of the Star Wars vehicles, um, you know, as, as Christmas presents. So yeah, so it's like that. That's that's a line I'm I'm pretty familiar with. And yeah, I had no idea that it had that super rad local connection. That's that that's really really yeah. cool. Yep, and it definitely has a Transformer connection, too. <laughs> absolutely, so, absolutely. They, they definitely had a, a passionate fan behind the scenes uh, helping them out with that. I love it. That that's uh, that's really cool. Um, do uh, do you happen to know if there are plans for any more in the future, or was it just those four one and done? Uh, they actually came out with some that um, they're they're actually now able to produce Metal Earth in color. Um, and so they were experimenting with, with that, with, uh, some kind of like, um, kind of deformed proportion Marvel stuff. And then they also have, uh, some transformers too, that they came out with like shockwave and, and, uh, few of the other like G1 type of, uh, uh, transformers. I, I didn't really have much to do with that other than, you know, they, they sent me the, uh, the screenshots of the prototypes and I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You know, that sort of thing. But, um, uh, I think those are out. Um, I think you can get them either off of their website or at least um, point you in the right direction because they don't sell to the public directly. Uh, oh, but okay. they can. I think they're on Amazon or eBay or a lot of the other online retailers. Um, I think they've been released uh, already. So um, hopefully they will do another run of those original G1s uh, because I already have my picks of the Autobots and Decepticons that are going to be part of that. So if they ever ask me again, I know already know which ones. Ah, very good. Is that is that something you care to share here, or would you rather keep it closer to the vest? Um, well, Shockwave and Starscream have got to be there, right? Mm-hmm. So those are my picks for the Decepticons. And I'm thinking uh, Grimlock and RC. Oh. Again, going back to that female representation yeah. of our, our fandom, I think that would be a good pick. I know RC is a little bit more uh, 86 movie, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's important to have, you know, uh, a female character there somewhere. I, I agree, and especially an iconic one, too. You know, R- RC is definitely, um, I mean, she wasn't the first female Transformer, but I would say that she was the first most prominently featured one, you know, obviously being right. being uh, starring in the movie and then uh, further into season three uh, of the original cartoon. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, and she's a great character. And again, you know, I mean, looping back around to the comics earlier, she she's gotten a a completely different interpretation and new lease on life that that I I really like what they did narratively with uh, with RC in the IDW comics. She's uh, she's turned into a really great iconic character. Yeah, I, I think so too as well. I, I definitely have to uh, get back into uh, IDW. Maybe I have to start out with some uh, graphic novels to pick up. Uh, uh, pick up uh, uh, the comics uh, all at once, you know. 
Mm-hmm, definitely, definitely. Um, all right, Scott. Well, I'm uh, you know looking at the time, and it looks like we're uh, our time is coming to a close. Uh, but this is this has been a real pleasure. I've uh, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you and learn uh, learn all those cool stories about fascinations and, and Metal Earth, and and then of course, obviously, uh, learning more about your Bumblebee car. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, great. I'm just happy to uh, be part of it and meet you, and I'm looking forward to meet you in person at SideFest. Absolutely. That that is going to be a huge blast. And again, one last time, that is going to be uh, SideFest Northwest, uh, SideFestNW.com. That is going to be this Saturday, uh, July 27th at the Kent Commons Community Center. That is right across from the Showwear Center. Um, and if you see a, a yellow Camaro uh, that, that looks a little familiar, you're probably in the right place. So, <laughs> yep. And feel free to come up and say hi to me. Uh, I'll probably be wearing some sort of transformer shirt, and I have a uh, Autobot logo on my right arm tattooed, and the Decepticon logo. Uh, I'm sorry, Autobot logo on my left arm, the Decepticon logo on my right arm. And people have asked me why I didn't get the Autobot logo on my right arm. It's because in the United States we drive on the left hand side, and it would have been really weird for me to hang out my arm out the driver's window and have a Decepticon logo on there. <laughs> and, and, and again, Scott, I am just, I, I, I am still impressed by your attention to detail. I, I, I really appreciate that. Cause I, I think, I, I don't think everybody would have thought of that It'd just be like, Oh, well, Oh, wait a sec. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. Very cool. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a mistake that you don't really want to make when you have tattoos. <laughs> that is the truth. Um, so, Scott, if folks wanted to uh, uh, see the car um, or you know see Bumblebee and kind of uh, see some of your stuff on the internet, uh, where could they go to see some of that? And where might folks connect with you out on the social medias? Uh, well, I'm usually pretty easy to find on on Facebook. Um, I you know, I'm actually really don't have a, a dedicated social media presence for my car, although I think really I've been contemplating changing that um, to because it, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, but, you know, if, if you, uh, uh, you know, I can give you some pictures and you can get a hold of uh, me through through uh, your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a link on a Camaro website where I won Camaro of the Month. Um, and that, uh, website, that web page is still active. It has some pictures and kind of some ex- explanations of what I've done with the car. Okay. Um, those are easy way to get a hold of me at the moment. Okay. And, you know, I think this has kind of convinced me that I really probably should get a, uh, online presence for, for Bumblebee. I think it's time that he comes, uh, uh, comes out of the closet there. <laughs> Very cool. Or out of the garage, I should say. There it is. There it is. I love it. Well, uh, uh, Scott, again, this is uh, this has been a, uh, a huge pleasure getting to getting to know you and talk to you. And we will uh, we will see you Saturday at Sidefest Northwest 2019. That sounds good. We'll look forward to it. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next weekend for my conversation with Diecast from TF Radio and Radio Free Cybertron. And we're talking about that HasLab Unicron. Is it worth your time and your money? 
Uh, that's it's it's an interesting conversation, and we do talk about some of the uh, news that has happened with regards to uh, Haslab Unicron uh, uh, just this week. Um, come out and watch my panel, the Legacy of the Transformers, the movie. It will be the panel uh, that you will want to uh, uh, check out and participate in that live recording of Mike Seibert Radio during Cybefest Northwest 2019, uh, happening this Saturday, July 20. 7th at the Kent Commons Community Center. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Tell us what you think and what you'd like to hear in the future. It really does help. Mike Cybert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders. My name is Mike. This has been Mike Cybert Radio. We will see you at Sidefest on Saturday. And until next time, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out bydoormusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.